Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Ridestickers.com. Ridestickers, we are the bomb. Ridestickers.com. Ridestickers, we are the bomb. Cha-cha. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to an episode, another episode of Pizza Punk. It's been a minute since we've done Pizza Punk, let alone live Pizza Punk. I'll tell you, I was just talking to someone else uh, about possibly doing a show next week. Another live pizza coming at you, serving it hot. That's what we do. That's what we do. But I'm very excited for tonight's guest um, who, I, you know, I've actually, you know, I guess offhandedly kind of known for almost a decade now um yeah i want well let me let's just get this out of the way real quick i want to welcome sharpie riot aka josh grove of riotstickers.com to the show welcome to my show (laughs) thank you i'm glad to be here oh man and look at josh's background here he's got this awesome He's got an awesome collage. He's got the shades on. I mean, the dude is on point right now, you know, really, truly. Um, Tell me about the uh, collage behind you. It looks like it has an interesting story, does it? Yeah, so um, I don't know going back to when, but, you know, had a lot of Misfits posters, moved a lot of times. They got in bad shape and I didn't want to part with them, so... Turned it into some awesome wallpaper. It's great. And, you know, you hear this all the time. You have too many T-shirts, so the T-shirts start to wear out, but you still got the logo, and you just repurpose them into a blanket or a quilt or a tapestry. And I think this is so – there's so much um, – it's so personal, this this sort of collage thing. And it looks like you sealed that up, right? You've sealed that with something? I did, and I don't know if we can see it all. Let's see, but there's actually. Oh wow! Whoa! If you look, uh, I'm I'm probably not going to be good at this, but if you look like right here, I know here, it's so hard. It's so hard to point yeah, in the right direction. <laughs> there's like a piece of a Nosferatu. Oh, I see him. I see the yeah. eyeball. Yeah. Yeah. So there was some. There was a few other things that weren't misfits that made it in there. That's cool. Also, I dig it, man. So I dig it. I just cool. want to give. I want to give a quick shout out to friend of the show. James Gruesome is in the house. Yeah, of, it's my brother. Gruesome. See, it's my brother. Oh, he is. He is uh, quite quite the gentleman, the gentleman horror connoisseur. He We're is. gonna have to get James on the show sometime. Uh, he's just so knowledgeable about horror movies. When I stayed, I stayed with him and Liz at his house many years ago, and we were just. We, we got along just fine. Hey, have you seen this one? Hey, have you seen this one? Have you seen this one back and forth, back and forth? Man, he's got it all. He's got, he has it all. He has some, yes. that's a handsome collection that James has. So shout out to James. Um, Droid Little is in the house. We have uh, Rue Morgue saying hello. Mr. David Lee, who agrees that Nosferatu rules much better than Dracula, even if it was a ripoff. I, I concur. I concur. I I do like Nosferatu. Um, it's, it's got 
it's got a complicated history that we're not going to get into right now, but I do very much like Nosferatu, very much. It's a great, great film. Um, yeah. So, so we have, so first of all, where, where, where do, let's start with, with how we, well, let me ask you the question. Let me ask you the question that we ask everybody on Pizza Punk. It's a, sort of a traditional question. I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm sort of serving this to you blind. I didn't tell you about it beforehand, but maybe I'll give you, give you a moment to think about, about it while I talk about something else. Is Pizza Punk, and if pizza is punk, why is it punk? And if pizza is not punk, why is it not punk? And your answer is subjectively correct because it's subjective. So whatever you decide, that's cool, man. That's cool. But you you need to give me an answer. So if if you need a minute to think about it, you can, and I'll I'll just fill the dead air. Or if you have an answer from you right now, lay it on me. No, I'm ready. Okay, um, tell me. Whoa, someone cool just showed up that I haven't talked to in a long time. That's awesome. Um. Pizza isn't punk. Oh, why? Because too many people like it. And, uh, and, and, and I'm not saying that. No, for real, though. Like, because um, you're saying punk, not punk rock. Punk rock's a music and punk okay. is like a thought process. So if you think in the way of punk, it's not the status quo and pizza is. So everyone pretty much likes it. Not everyone is punk. So it's conformity. It's you're saying that because of the the massive conformity angle, that therefore it's not punk. It's not because it's because everyone likes it. Yeah, it's because everyone likes it though. Right, because it's mainstream to like pizza. Well, because it's just kind of everyone's palate is good for it, and not everyone's palate is good for being punk. I have a um, I have a joke for you. Do you want to hear it? Sure. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Um, why did the hipster from Brooklyn burn his mouth when he ate his slice of pizza? Nothing. Because he took a bite before it was cool. Ah! Nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dad joke, dad joke alert. Oh no, dad jokes, dad jokes. <laughs> Um, portfolio. No, yeah, that'd be my answer. I mean, I guess if you no, it's a good answer. If you do something crazy with your pizza, like maybe if the sauce is on the bottom, and then yeah, and then there's like dough, and then maybe instead of cheese, you use some other thing. Then maybe it's maybe that makes it punk. Then yeah, because okay. it's a different it's a different thought process behind what everyone else thinks. So maybe then. So but outside must, of that, no. So you must think that Chicago stuffed pizza stuff dish it's closer yeah it's closer because <laughs> it's uh upside down yeah pizza yeah. cast casserole nonsense i yeah. mean okay okay no i i love i i i love that answer did anyone Every, ever answer that before no one's ever answered that before and that's what oh, i nice. love about it is because we yeah. get you know i love I love answers that are out out of the box. I love any answer that I haven't heard before. Rob is asking, is pineapple on pizza punk? It's closer, but you still Interesting. have you still have uh, crust, sauce, cheese, and then pineapple. So three out of the four. And here's the thing: if you go anywhere, they're still going to have that on the menu. So right, right, it's a little further off. But but yeah, not as many people like it. Feels a little wrong to some people and that's punk 
Right. Right. And right, not, right. And not, and not because it has to be like, it's not like something's punk only because people don't like it. It's just generally people don't like the average person doesn't like what's punk. Right. Right. I, you know, I mean, it's kind of funny too. I, you know, I've heard so many answers at this point. Um, another answer that I, that I really liked is that, um, that che- uh, cheese sauce and dough are like three quarts and that you can make, you can make uh, any slice of pizza with the three chords just the way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought yeah. that was a cool. That's nice. Yeah, that was cool. That was. You a should cool put thing. together a compilation video of the answers. I agree. I really yeah. should. I really That'd should. Cool. And by the way, if you see me scratching my nose, it's because did I did not. Yeah, it's because I did coke. Everybody <laughs> thinks that when I scratch my nose, I do coke. So I've gotten to this habit of having to do a whole disclaimer about how I have not trimmed the hair right above my mm-hmm. nose, you know, right here. Mm-hmm. And it tickles your nose. You can relate to that. You I have can. a beard, right? Doesn't that yeah, happen yeah. sometimes? It's annoying. I, tr- I trimmed mine today though. Yeah, I was stupid and I didn't trim it before we, we... <laughs> I wasn't thinking. Yeah. I really wasn't thinking, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm just letting you know, if you see me going like this, it's not because of any booger sugar that I just did that's lying over there. I mean, what? No, that, yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, so Josh. Let's talk. Let's talk about you because you're the guest on the show. And just so everybody knows, Josh, Josh is the CEO, HBIC of ridestickers.com. We've been talking about ridestickers.com for uh, since December 1st because that's when ridestickers began to sponsor the From Us channel. And I thought it would be really great to have him on here because I would like, I personally don't know, I want to learn more about the sticker process. I want to learn, I want to hear about Josh's, Josh is a musician. I want to hear about his experience as a DIY, you know, punky musician as well and and, and this, that, and the other. Um, so I'm really glad to have him on. But just to let you guys know, this is the guy behind RiotStickers.com. Um but let's let's go back. Let's go way back. Let's do a little Wayne's World, a little Wayne's World. Doodaloo, 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 doodaloo. Um, tell me about your your first forays into music back sure. in '99, right? Yeah, '99. Yeah. Um, loved punk rock music. First heard the Ramones. Pretty much was the first thing. Um, and. Loved the band, the Sloppy Seconds, the Vindictives, um, a lot of those bands. So I started a band called the Welfare Babies, and we kind of did that type of thing. Um, sloppy Seconds, Vindictive style, punk rock stuff. A lot of the bands I liked from growing up, like the local bands, same same kind of sound, loved them. Um, and hate to say it on here because I love the Misfits now, but I had heard them a little bit. Um, you know, prior to starting that band and got the 95 American Psycho album, put it on, uh, kind of listened to it and didn't like it at all. And it sat on my shelf collecting dust for a few years and, uh, put it back in later and loved it. I don't know what changed, but anyway, started my first band in 99, uh, singer, guitar player. What made you want to do that? I just, uh, you know, I think the inspiration was I like I loved music, um, 
I saw the local bands in my town that were just like some dudes I went to school with that had a band. And I'm like, you know, that, that kind of inspired me to realize that I could, I could do it too. And I feel like I had a lot of songs in my head, you know? So, um, I, that's sort of what started it playing guitar. Yeah. Interestingly too, playing guitar, like back then you couldn't go on the internet and like, uh, learn how to play a guitar. Not that there's anything wrong with that doing it now. It's way easier, but I remember my brother had a guitar and I would just kind of play it and listen to music and, uh, yeah. How does that work? So you have to like, you listen to hear how it sounds. I'd listen to songs and I kind of played the guitar. Like it was a bass guitar. I kind of played like just one string at a time and tried to match the notes that they were changing through. Yeah. Um, and then I forget what song it was, but I was listening to a song and trying to, trying to do that like just play the the root note on one string and i figured out what a power chord was but i did it but i did it on my own no one showed me a power chord and i remember like i had seen some chord charts where like there was all this crazy finger stuff and i was like man that seems really hard and uh i figured out what a power chord was and i was like man if i just do this i can go like anywhere on the guitar neck and what like is a power chord i don't know yeah, so it's basically like a finger structure that stays the same no matter oh. kind of where you move on the neck, where like when you're playing like yeah. co- chords on a guitar where you're kind of strumming all the strings, you kind of have to do a lot of funky stuff with this fretting hand. But a power chord, you kind of can just like make a claw and just yeah. keep it keep it like that and just move around. Oh, I've seen, um, I've definitely seen that. I've absolutely seen that. I'm like, I, does Johnny Ramone do that? Yeah, like all. I mean, yeah. they do other stuff too, but that's the that's the the meat of everything they do. And I figured that out on my own. And I thought I like broke this mysterious code to guitar playing. I'm like, I just simplified the fuck out of this. And uh, and yeah, then later, huh. I found, then later, I found out that like, you know, a lot of the guys do it. But not only was it easy, but to me, it sounded awesome. It sounded better than like this stuff where you're kind of playing these full chords you know so so it's like so basically all right you you know what's you and you want to know what you just did for me you just kind of i think you just cracked the code for me because i don't know i've always heard bar chords power chords and then you have all these different chordings and you hear the beatles talking about chordings and all these different chords and like god how many freaking things but the way it sounds it's just a matter of preciseness it's like how precise or how crude, you know, and crude not necessarily meaning less sophisticated, just means simpler, you know, how rudimentary or intricate do you want to be? Instead of doing like a B7 flat sharp, like yeah, right. on the eighth note of blah, 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 you could just Stuff do- Stuff I don't know about. <laughs> right, 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 right. But yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Wow, okay. So, and and then the other thing, here's the other question I have for you. So you're doing this and then how do you figure out what's in tune, right? Cause you have to be in tune if you're trying to play along to a song that you like, are you, wh- how does that work? Yeah, sure. So I think like, again, I, I kind of like played a guitar, like it was a bass. So like I'd hear what the guitar player was strumming and I would just like, and I knew, I, I, I knew a little bit about music. I had done some music like in school. My first instrument was actually a trumpet. So I knew a lot about music the way it's written, yeah. that kind of thing, hearing yeah. things and trying to be able to match it. So I just kind of listen to music and, you know, tune out the vocalist and tune out the drums and kind of, you know, zero in on 
the 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 tone that the guitar player was or bass player was playing and and like find out where on the neck that note was you know and just play that single string with that note that's you really know? cool and i started to understand kind of the structures of the songs because you know a lot of that stuff too it's almost like for me anyway and i probably a lot of especially punk rock guitar players a lot of these songs are almost like um like when you're playing on the neck with power chords they're almost like shapes you know you have like x right. shapes and box shapes and l shapes right so you just gotta like figure that. it and that's how people who are not musically inclined per se but want to play music like kind of like figure out how to how to put it all together or how to like uh yeah i think it. if you're if you're trying to listen to songs though and figure out what they are like you have to have the ear like now right if you, if you play me a song i i've been doing it long enough that now i can probably tell you like at least if it's a basic punk rock song like i can tell you what the chords like where the the finger structures are gotcha you know? hold on real quick yeah, i just want to shout out i just want to shout out uh, James Gruesome, thank you so much for the support. He says, babies in a trash can. I don't know what that means. I'm sure you do. Yeah. But uh, a big tip to the hat. Thank you, James, for, for your support. Uh, babies in a trash can, whatever that means, everybody. <laughs> 1999 welfare baby song called Babies in the Trash Can. Um, the it's, snooch is saying. It's pretty cool. I don't know if it aged well, though. Oh, we'll 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 uh we'll we'll assume that we'll, we'll leave it up to we'll leave it up to the uh people who listen to that to decide whether they whether they agree. I you're gonna have to tell us, or maybe you tell me off off air a, a lyric or two real quick. I just want to get to this comment. It says uh, the snooch says I had the same thing with a power chord. wasn't seeing any progress doing the traditional route and realized the tabs were to be read upside down from how the guitar strings actually were. Does that make sense to you, Josh, with what he's saying? Yeah, you, it does. I think I, I haven't done a lot with tabs. I mostly just do things by ear, but I think yeah. tabs, it's kind of like, because if you're playing like rhythm guitar, you're kind of thinking of like the low E string first. Mm -hmm. And I think tabs, they're kind of like, if you put them in a row, it's kind of starting with the high E string. And if you're playing like punk rock rhythm guitar, you're not, man, you could take those for a rhythm guitar player that plays punk. You could take those three high strings off the guitar and still do what you need to do without them. Wow. You, you know, it's funny. That's like what, <laughs> that's what Jerry only did. He had Jerry only, you know, later on in the misfits, he just stopped using the top part of the strings on his bass. So he, yeah. whatever, what are the four strings on a bass? Is it E? I think he was doing EA, EA, right? Are those the two, what are the two heaviest strings on the bass? Yeah, E and A. Yep. And really, that's that's all you need. But then that's you start so funny. to come into, um, like, you can pretty much play anything with those two strings. But you're going to be doing a lot more moving up and down. Yeah. And if you don't want to, it's quicker. You can just kind of move up to the next string and kind of keep your hand from like sliding up and down the neck of the guitar by doing that. You know. By the with way. Bass. We have Walter White from New Jersey here, and uh, from New Zealand, I mean, not New Jersey, saying, man, I wish I could play. Hi, how's it going? How's it going, Walter White? I wish I could play, too, and I got to tell you. I can teach you everything I know in five minutes. I, Doyle, I, I've heard Doyle say that before. Doyle's yeah, 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 yeah. Doyle's better than teaching everything he knows in five minutes, but I get what he's saying when he says that. You know, you know, you know, it's funny, though, about Doyle and what they used to do for him. They used to put stickers on the back of the guitar neck and he would just go, you know, 
it was like green, 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 red, 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 orange, orange, like that kind of thing, you know. Um Which, which I guess probably a really great rudimentary way of playing guitar. So I don't know. So you start playing. You put the band together. What is it? How hard is it to rally a bunch of people together and you know play play a band? I mean, make a band, like do a band. You got to get some guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, it seemed easy then. Like, I mean, I guess it depends where you're coming from, but I kind of had, I had all these songs in my head. Yeah. And and it was, I I wouldn't say it was easy, but I had all these songs in my head and I was able to write them and I kind of knew what I wanted and I was playing guitar. I wasn't... I kind of wanted to sing, but at that point in time, I was like, eh, I don't think people will like it. I'll just get someone else to sing, but I'll show them the songs. So really at that point, it was like, if you're a guitar player writing songs, you kind of need like another guy that either plays bass or plays guitar. You can right. just show, show them kind of what you're playing. But right. The, but like finding a drummer, which was a little tough, but at, you know, at that, I was like 18 years old. Like, you know, there's a bunch of young guys like ready to play, you know? Mm-hmm. And I I actually got a guy that was like, found him on like Craigslist was the way to find people then to play music. And I found a drummer on Craigslist that was like, I think he said he liked Metallica, but then, um, but I think he also liked like Grateful Dead and stuff. And I was like, seems good enough to me. And I went over there and I was like, how about we play punk rock music? And he was all about it, you know? So yeah, it wasn't it actually, you know, I think the older you get, the harder it is to find the people for sure. But back then it was easy and it, you didn't feel like you were really trying either. It was just kind of like you met up with dudes and you played, you know? Yeah. You just sort of, you're just happy to be uh, going out there doing it. I, yeah. You know, Craigslist you, you, that used to be when Craigslist was uh, man for, for lots of artistic endeavors, it was all about Craigslist. And, you know, it's funny that like, it's funny that like, you know, you always sort of hear about like the band, like uh, must be into X, Y, Z, one, two, three. Sure. That kind of thing. Um, and, you know, trying to find people that are into the music that you are into as well. And I don't know. And even back then, I think that was kind of a thing. Like people really would put, you know, like what they, you know, yeah, Misfits band or like, like for what I liked it was or whatever it was. But I never, I almost didn't want that. Like I kind of wanted people that, that maybe didn't, that weren't exposed to that music and I could show it to them and be like, Hey, here's kind of what I want to do, but you kind of like this. And I, yeah. and I, and I want you to bring that into it at least somewhat, you know, right. And I know you and I are both Beatles fans. I'd like to talk to you about some other bands that you really like, but you know, I see that even with them, you know, that there was sometimes it's not the best thing to have four guys in a band that their favorite band is the misfits or whoever it is. You know what I mean? Right. Or or a certain style of music, you know, if you're going to do a horror punk band and you get a drummer that their favorite band is grateful dead, you might end up having a really cool sound because of that. I could not agree more with that sentiment. And yeah, like people are going to bring different flavors if they're into different stuff and in terms and what's interesting about the Beatles in particular is you have these guys who they just have this for that for them it's really chemistry like they just had this 
they have this chemistry and they're willing to sort of um they were willing to sort of incorporate anything into the music they're making they're they're like okay let's put some string choruses let's use the sitar oh we're really into india right now let's use the sitar oh what's this a mellotron so it's like they're not even doing traditional rock and roll they've like expanded into what is known as whatever you want you know 60s pop music or like the the pinnacle of pop music at that time you know so it's like it's good to have like a, a collective taste and not just do you, you you can think outside of the box in that way you know yeah absolutely and i so. i just saw robbie put about uh mark playing drums with him and, Mark's and Al, a Beatles I, don't, fan. I don't i don't know alex that well but i do know mark a little bit and uh yeah i mean you know mark loves punk rock music but i i, I think the other stuff that mark likes is maybe not the stuff that that Robbie likes, and that's awesome for them to yeah. sit down together and make music, and for Robbie to be pulling his influences from here, and Mark to be pulling from over here. Right. You kind you you do get a new sound. In fact, I was talking to someone right before I came on the show, a band that I print for, and they saw that the Facebook post about me being on here, and they were like, "I didn't know you played with the Independents." And I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, people just kind of know me as like the merch guy now, you know, because it's it's been a right. while since I played, but." You know, we were kind of talking about that, like, you know, just different sounds that bands have, you know. Um, By the way, uh, David Lee's here. I'm probably going to get I might get flack from this uh, from those listening in because uh, generally we talk about punk rock on this show. But I actually do like the Grateful Dead as well. I enjoy Grateful Dead as much as I enjoy uh, the beat. Well, maybe I enjoy the Beatles a little bit more. But I do appreciate, I do have an appreciation for um, the Grateful Dead. Although the irony is I don't like the live Grateful Dead music that everybody likes. I like the studio Grateful Dead because the songs are shorter. And that's the punk rock Ramones, you know, mentality of like, I can't sit here for 32 minutes listening to a jam. Like I, I like one of their songs and it's whatever <laughs> one. I can't even think of what it is right now, but... I remember yeah. when I was young that they had uh, like MTV hit and all that stuff. Touch of they, Grey. You like Touch of Grey. Ah, we'll get by. Yeah, yes. the skeletons. But, but yeah. I think because I like the video more than anything. But it is a good song. It's a great video. You know? And it's a and, great song. And there's songs that definitely that I can, you know, whenever I hear them, there's these songs that are like weird genres that I normally wouldn't like at all. And you kind of hear the song and you're like, that song's good to the extent of, it's above a genre, you know, like that. Right, it song, transcends the genre, genre that you may not necessarily listen to, but you're like, yeah, a good song is a good song. So this transcends the genre that I'm not generally down with. Yeah, absolutely. And I that, like, that. I feel like that with that song a little bit, like, I'm like, that's yeah. a really good song. Like, it's pretty simple, but it's a good song, do, 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 you know? Do, do, do. Yeah, so oh, even though I, I normally wouldn't listen to them, like I hear that song and I'm like, oh, that's a really good, well-written song. It's got it's got a hook. It's, you know. Hey, got, a good song is a good song, man, at the end yeah. of the day, right? Like a good song is a good song and you can't deny. I mean, I, I thought, you know, I used to be, you know, when I was a teenager, I was like, no, like, you know, I'm only to this genre, this genre. Oh, it's not of that genre. Fuck this. But yeah. like, you know, as you get older, I think you just sort of like are like a good song is a good song. It doesn't matter 
what it, if I hear a good rap song that really just sort of just, you know, is good, is catchy, infectious on some level, I'm, then it's a good song, even if I'm not generally listening to rap. And the same thing with country, you know, or whatever, right. or, you know, like techno. I don't I don't like techno at all. But if I hear I don't know. Um, oh, like on the train spotting soundtrack, uh, the, the song that ends in the movie. Um, God, I can't, I don't know the name of it, but it, it's a techno, I guess you'd call it a techno dance song or something. I, I love that song. It's way too long. It's like seven minute song. That's too long for a song. I, yeah. I don't like songs that long, but th- that's Speaking a good Speaking of length of songs, I'm, I've officially decided that we need to, Unless your bridge is good, cancel it. What What do you mean? Oh, the bridge to the song. If it's not a good bridge, just cut it out. Yeah, because everyone's like, I got, I got to put a bridge in. And when I listen to songs, I'm like, all right, this part's good. This part's good. And then the bridge happens, and I'm like, that part's not as good as these other parts. But it's like, and I like, I do get it. I mean, I wrote, I wrote music for a long time. Like, you're like, I got to put a bridge in here to break up from like, kind of doing these two or three things right back to back to back to back to back right but then you're putting in this part of the song that you're like but this isn't as good as the rest of it so i'm saying now let's cancel the bridge unless you have a good one yeah i i i can do that you know it's funny going back to the beatles for a minute the beatles always always tried to put like a, a bridger as they would call a middle eight in into their and, and when I listen songs. to their stuff, when they get to that spot, a lot of times I'm like, just don't do it. Interesting. Leave Interesting. it out. But but I but from the songwriting perspective and recording music and stuff, I 100% get why you feel like you need to. I guess you know what it is. It's like uh, you need. It's the it's the desire, or maybe it's the fear that someone won't appreciate the repetitiveness of what you're doing, and a desire to have some sort of dynamic contrast that goes against the grain of what you're doing musically right before that, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think people don't want you to think that, like, it's too simple. So I think that's a big part. I will say the one nice thing about it, and maybe this is partly why it's there. Um, like I just said, Caleb's guitar teacher. I, yeah, I, I don't taught, know what that means. <laughs> I, taught, I, taught this, I taught this kid how to play guitar, and now he has like a band, and he's like 23 years old or something. That's funny. And he does awesome. <laughs> but yeah, like when he was like seven, I started teaching him guitar. It was fun. Um, but yeah, I will say the one good thing about a bridge is it makes you appreciate the other part that's really good because, you know, after you listen to this part you didn't like as much then the good part seems right, even better hook. than it did before the hook so maybe that's why it's in. there yeah maybe that's maybe. why it's there um to make Rob- you appreciate the good part robbie says i never dove deep into the beatles now i've been obsessed with the track don't let me down since the documentary on disney look you got to just dive into all of let it be because that you know here again and i won't be repetitive because we've we've already heard this on the beatles if you want to go listen to all that listen to the deep dives on the beatles i'll just say this i do want to well you, go ahead um the, the the let it be beatles is like beatles after they've reached sergeant pepper heights and then they're trying to go back to being 1964 beatles like with simpler live songs and let it be as the result of that. And that's why those songs are so incredibly awesome. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. What were you going to say? Um, with the Beatles, right? 
Yeah. So I hear so many people be like, well, I don't like they were just lucky that that they kind of hit when they did. Like, that's kind of the big argument. Like they were just kind of at the right place at the right time. And like those songs aren't really that great and they're simple and what I like that kind of thing. And then it, it, you certainly don't need to like it. But the one thing I think that you have to think about and I, I compare it to um, like athletes are a good example too. like people will be like if uh, like Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky played in their sport now, they wouldn't be good. Right. They would be they'd be an average player because they kind of like. Yeah, I mean, I guess to some extent, like they'll be like, oh, like these other guys, these other guys that came later are better because they can do this, this and this different. Right. Hmm. But the one thing you have to think about with that stuff, with music, athletes, all that stuff, those people that did it, they kind of like do what works then because they know it works. So like my point is, if it, like if the if those four Beatles guys played now, they wouldn't be writing those songs that they wrote back then it would be like something completely different that did work now like they they can like get through all the garbage of and they were able to write hits so like when you listen to it now even in even in 1990 and you listen to the beatles and it was that old like you could kind of listen to it and be like well you know i don't know what's special about that but they kind of did their thing that worked for like in their time I don't know if that makes sense, but my point is like, if you can look at like those athletes careers and compare them to the guys now and be like, well, they'd only be average players. But if those guys played now, they would do something completely different because they like saw past everything and saw how to kind of like beat everyone out. So they would have done a completely different thing. I think one thing I I think for sure is the, at least a part of what you're speaking about. I think that, because the Beatles were in Beatlemania that they basically, it was a chain reaction that almost everything that they did was universally like praised and accepted because they were the Beatles. They had created a standard for music at that time where it's like, Oh my God, this is a new Beatles song and it's going to be great because it's the Beatles and we love the Beatles. However, I will also state this. The Beatles did something that no band has ever done since and probably won't ever do. You have to remember something. The Beatles did everything that they did in seven years. They Their first album was done, Please Please Me, in 1963. The uh, Let It Be or Abby, Let It Be came out in May of 1970. That's seven years. Think about bands that don't even put out albums in between seven years, let alone going from NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys and slowly turning into like like Nirvana or like Radiohead or whatever you want to call it, like in a period of seven years. And mind you, not only are they putting out two albums every year, but their record, their manager has said, okay, not only do we want you to put out two albums every year, we want you to do a single every quarter and that single can't be on the album. So they're doing a single every quarter. They're putting out two LPs. Oh, by the way, they're also shooting a film and touring the world and doing TV appearances. They did that for two years, 64 and 65. They had four LPs, eight singles, two films and world tours. I mean, it's just it's just it's unparalleled. They get done releasing the White Album. 
the friggin' White Album. 32 songs, that whole thing. And then a month later, they're back in the studio writing brand new songs for this Let It Be project. So it's kind of like, yeah, it, it, it really, that's where I think you, that's where like I go, okay, there's something that's different in the water here than say it just being the time period because there's never been a precedent of that kind of prolific output that's that of that quality you know what i'm saying so it's it's a it's and i think that's why people love in the same way that we love talking about the misfits on this channel people love to talk about the beatles because the story is so fascinating well i mean look what the misfits did in that amount of time too but i will say like right again like just even with me doing music you know i i kind of like in the in the time it didn't seem like a big deal but i look back at what i did and you know, I was going through like musician changes and stuff like that. And I look back at it and see how much music I cranked out in a short period of time. You know, if I think about my entire life and then think about the short span where I, that I created a lot of music. Where you were prolific. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you're doing that, like just looking back on it, it didn't seem like a lot of work. Like they, they were just there. And I do think that kind of everyone has, almost like a predetermined set limit of how many songs they have in them. Interesting. Yeah. And, and Very so, and so the ones that, you know, put out one good album, they're, right. the, they're the songwriters that had 10 good songs. Yeah. They had 10 songs and that's it. Sex Pistols. Right. And then, and then when they put out their next album, it's like, they already used their 10 songs that they have in them. Like just whatever it is inside of them, they had 10 songs and they put out those 10 songs and then they have to put out another album. So they just, try to rewrite those same 10 songs, that, there's, but, then you have, but you have other musicians that have 30 songs in them, you know, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying in that for sh- that. That is something that is uh, very profoundly true. I think you, sure. you absolutely have, you have these bands and they kind of do the same thing. Cause that's all they have. And then they have to keep replicating that success, which is again, speaks oceans about who the Beatles were and what the Beatles were trying to do and what they were pushing for. And then, the other amazing thing that you can compare and contrast is look at Paul McCartney's solo career of 50 years of a solo career, put out way more songs than they ever did with the Beatles, uh, just solo. And how many of those songs even compare to the well, brilliance of the Beatles? So think, that's interesting, too. I think, though, how many of those? So that and that's what I'm kind of saying. I, and I think that's what kind of happens to a lot of songwriters. So McCartney's been putting out music for 50 years on his own. How many of those songs are like rewrites of the idea of an old song? And, and, uh, I mean, and it happens. Co- and, there, and there's completely nothing wrong with that. Like, and I can, I can even look at the flip side of that. I kind of remember, like I had an idea for a song, like when I was younger and I would try to, I would try to make it happen. Like whatever it was in my head that I kind of just had this vision of this is how this song is. And I'd write something and maybe I wasn't there like technically. So I couldn't, I couldn't put together like what was in my head. And it kind of came out like 50% of what my vision was. And then five years later in a roundabout way, I kind of wrote the same song, but like I hit my vision better. You right. Know? And you were so able it's to a take different the same, song. Yeah. You took the same sort of idea. It comes from the same place. It comes from the same place. So, I would yeah. How many of these McCartney songs now? And again, not taking anything away from him, it's amazing. 
Oh, but they, like, listen. How, like how many songs did he put out now that he's like, this is the same place I took Eleanor Rigby from. Uh, that yeah. I, well, Paul McCartney is in like a stratosphere above all of us in a way that like, I can't even, I can't even comprehend the genius of Paul McCartney, even with all the bad solo songs that he's written. However, I would say out of those 50 years of a solo, you know, of, of solo output, maybe he could fill two of those 20 something albums with, you know, if you were to like go across all the, all the, all the albums and all the songs, you probably could fill two or three records with just solid, like cream of the crop out of say 20. So it's like a very small percentage, I think maybe 10% of his output. And it was like that with all the other Beatles too. I mean, George Harrison peaked with all things must pass. I think John Lennon, you know, he had imagined, but Plastic Ono Band is just like killer all the way through. That's an immaculate record. You know, even Ringo, Ringo was the first of the four to have a number one hit after the Beatles broke up. Most people don't know that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. Um, Someone asked how many songs I had in me. I think probably like 15. 15, I, okay. I would I would say I had 15 and then stuff that I wrote by myself that a band recorded and stuff. I would say, you know, there was probably like 40. So if you do the math on that, that means that over half of my songs were the, the second time – there was a second time that that same song came out, maybe in a different way. You took was... a bite, second bite of that apple. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like they turned out better. And sometimes, you know, I, I kind of felt like it didn't. Make it to where it should have, where it could have been or, or, or whatever it would be. Or the first try at that, at that vision was better than the second right. one even right. though i was a better musician when i did it that second time sometimes you do ma- nail it that first time and that's like you know that's what these about- bands that you hear their first song like one of the first songs they ever put out and you're like well that's their best song ever like how how can that be they put out a song the first like in the first two or three years they were playing and then 10 years later you're still like well that song's their best song they got lucky and nailed it even though um, they weren't as good of a musician yet. What was it like? You were talking about like lineup changes. So what's it, what, what's it like when you're, you know, you're in a band and it's like, somebody's not working out. Somebody washes that. You, oh, you got to replace that guy changes the dynamic changes, the chemistry changes, all sorts of stuff. What, tell me about that. Uh, is that frustrating? Like, just t- tell me a little bit about that and dealing with that. Yeah, it's hard, man. Like, I don't, maybe at the beginning, it's almost kind of fun to bring someone new in. And, okay. But, but it does get old quick. And, you know, when you're doing like a local smaller band and it just seems like every time you kind of like get it to where you think it's good, like someone goes, you know, and, right. and, and usually because, well, I mean, either the person that goes kind of everyone wanted them out because they weren't pulling their weight or right, or it's someone that kind of came in that that also wanted to like maybe be more creative and that band's already established. So they're like, well, I can't really be creative here. So I'll just go do my own thing. So, yeah, it's constantly coming and going. And I mean, you know, I think that's one of the main things. I mean, I stopped playing. Um, I still play with the independents, but in 2015, I stopped like writing and recording under my own 
banned in 2015 and that was kind of the big thing it was just like that gets old it gets it gets frustrating it gets hard and, yeah, and at some me- point you're just not willing to deal with that anymore. yeah what, like well teaching someone new all the songs okay that that explains it so you're saying so what you're saying it's like you get to a place where you're just it just get the the upkeep of 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 having everything where it needs to be in order to even do the thing becomes just not, um, you know, or not something that you want to spend your energy, locate that energy doing that. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to put this on the shelf and sure. focus on other things. Or Would I mean, you, you, you about right? just fall in love with something else and, and, and you, yeah. go that, you know, and, and that, that's what happened to me. I, I played music for a long time and that was the thing I loved to do. And I started Riot stickers and I love that. You know, and you know that became more important to me just just as a person. You know, to to do that. And I going to write stickers. The thing that made me start all of it was, you know, I was the eighteen year old musician that was like, and and things were different back then, but it's still the same in a way. You know, I was taking like artwork to a place and being like, hey, I want to make a CD of this. Like, here's the artwork I have and they would say, all right, well, it'll be $350 for your, you know, 50 CDs, but your artwork's not right. So we're going to charge you $300 more to make it right. And, and I, I would just be like, well, I can't do that. You know, and it was such a barrier to me that I was like, I need to figure out how I can make like, cause I was making the artwork and it looked good, like to me, but then they right. were like, well, if we print this, it will look bad. You know, and I didn't understand that. So it's like, well, first I need to understand why that's a fact. And it turns out that they're, they're not lying. That's true. Like, you know, you can make artwork on your computer screen that looks great. And then you can take it to a printer and they'll be like, this is going to look horrible. Right. You need to have so, the right template, the right. Uh, kind, yeah. It kind of wasn't, yeah. wasn't made right. But I remember them being like, you know, we're going to have to charge you or, or like a, and a lot of money to fix it. And then it was just expensive too. And I, I kind of was like, man, if I could figure out how to like overcome these obstacles, I could make things a lot easier for all everything I want to do with my band. Right. And that and that's kind of what drove me to start doing all this. So it kind of started with just like the artwork aspect of it. Not so even it was printing. a necessity. So Riot Stickers is really born out of a necessity of being a musician, um, dealing with dealing with a manufacturing process that's frustrating and doesn't isn't really um practical for the independent diy sort of musician and so you know if you're out there and you are an independent uh practical diy musician um you might share some of the same values of riotstickers.com and why they are here and what they're what what is the mission is there a mission statement for riotstickers.com like what is what's it about what are you doing i don't have one but yeah like i'm saying that that's kind of what got me down this path like the frustration of it being so hard and and people like not not being helpful or being super expensive you know and i i just was like i'm gonna figure this out and at that time it was just for me i was like i'll figure this out so i can do it for myself so that i can eliminate all this crap you know and in the end i i did figure it out and once I did, I was like, man, I have like all these friends that are that are having the same struggles and I'll do it for them. You know, like again, like 
if someone brings me artwork that's junk, that can't be printed, if I can fix it, if we can fix it, we will and we won't charge. Now, sometimes it's kind of like not fixable, you know, it's right. to the extent where not like, it's kind of like there's, but, but if I, if I can fix it, like these other places would be like, well, I'll fix it, but it will cost $300 extra. No, like we, we don't do that. Like if, so if you have, if, so if you, have, you have morals, it, <laughs> you have moral fiber, you have integrity. That's the word you have. Yeah. Integrity. And I, and I understand where there's where all those dudes are coming from, because again, right. I played in a band. None of it was, I didn't, anything I ever did was not about trying to make any money. In fact, it was spending money. It was spending money to do this thing that I really wanted to do that I loved. Right. And, and when someone's then, you know, raking you over the coals for extra money for this thing that you're trying to do because you yeah. love it, that's hard. <laughs> that's hard. To, that's right. a hard pill to swallow. And so that was the whole thing. And that's why I still, you know, I mean, I'll print for anyone that wants me to, but I want to print for like bands, you know? Right. Like, you, that's you, who I love. That's who I love. I know where those guys are at. Like you care, you legitimately care. I do. And I like, I can, I can see and feel their passion for what they're doing, you know? And I was there at one point in time and I still love that stuff, but. Why know. is it important? Explain. I mean, obviously we know why it's important, but like, like I, I, this is kind of a dumb question, but like, why is it important? Like, why do you need all this shit? What do you need the stickers for? What is the per why are stickers so important? Why is a banner so important? Why are t-shirts so important? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of twofold. I mean, one of them obviously is there's no better I I can't I would be it'd be so hard for me to think about all the times that I may have gone to see a band that I might not have even heard and I just saw something of their in fact going back to like, you know, the old days when you went to the CD store, record store, and you just kind of flip through the stuff and be like, oh, this cover looks cool. I think this music might be cool. Maybe it's not, but I'm going to buy it anyway and check it out. And people still do that online, but, you know, that's still true. You know, if you put your stuff out there and people be like, that looks like what I like, you know, that goes a long way. Or just even whatever the band name is, you know, they kind of see it later and somewhere in the back of their mind, they... Remember, they saw it somewhere at some point, you know? Right. Um, and I, I've seen bands play before, too, that I thought were good. And then I leave and go home and I'll be like, I don't even know what that band was called. You know? Right. So I can't even look, even now with all the technology we have, I can't go look them up. I mean, I'm sure I could really find out who played that the, at that venue that night. But like, you know, you do want people to remember your name, you know? But then... Um, you know, so there's that part of it, but then also the bands like it, you know, if you have a band and you get, if you have like stickers and shirts and banner, all that makes you feel good, you know? Oh yeah. And yeah. so like when I had a band, like I, I remember if we got stickers or shirts made, like we were just excited to have that, you know, make, again, a lot of that playing music, it's like stuff that makes you feel good. So adding that merch into it, it makes you feel good. You know, I would say and that's an easy answer, really. I would say also there's an element of like it, it's a it's a way to sort of connect with the audience you're trying to cultivate slash build. It's like here is a it's like someone sees your band play. Oh, that's really cool. 
I want to give you this thing here. It's a sticker. I want to give you the sticker that you can use to represent something uh, uh, that is uh, our banner that you love, you know, that represents the music that you love. And by the way, you know, it's almost 51 minutes. I'm so sorry. We actually have to take a sponsor break real quick. <laughs> um, I'm okay with that. We, we have to take a sponsor break. We're, we're talking about stickers and the importance of stickers. And I got to tell you, Josh and I, we've teamed up to do a special promotion right here. You can only get it through this channel. You can only get it with this promo. It's it's coming up on the little ticker tape right now. See it? Riotstickers.com. Yeah, I mean, outside of here on the From Us channel, the biggest discount you can get from Riot Stickers anywhere else is 10%. And this is 10%. This is 50% off with the code From Us. F-R-U-M-E-S-S. You're going to get... 50 three inch by three inch vinyl stickers now can you explain uh th three inches by three inches that is a re that's good real estate right like if you're trying to print something up i mean i would say that's like a a pretty standard for a band sticker like that's kind of what you want to do i think like once you start to get bigger than that like it kind of doesn't fit in with everything else so nicely okay um, okay. And then anything smaller than that, like you might as too you know, small. Yeah. I mean, it depends what you're doing, but like a lot of times anything smaller than that starts to be outside of, you know, it's not going to stand out. So three by three is a pretty good standard. It's if someone says, what size should I get? Like that's kind of the go-to. And 50 stickers. You can take those 50 stickers. You go into New York city, you go to all the places where people are just slapping stickers and you slap your own sticker right there so that you can re be represented. You know what that is? That's eyeball. Those are eyeball highways. They're, they're high traffic. They're high traffic highways for people's eyeballs. They're coming off the subway. They're looking around. They see that thing. Oh, and then, you know, again, oh, now I'm scrolling on Facebook and I see that that flyer, that v digital flyer with that same logo that I saw on the subway. Oh, and they're playing and I should Man, go check them out. I, I'll travel around the country and I'll go to like a city I've never been to before and I'm walking around and I'll see one of my stickers that I printed for someone. That feels it's all, good, right? It's awesome. I take a picture. I'll send, yeah. it to, I'll send it to the customer and be like, I saw your sticker. Yeah. I mean, that's great. It's super and cool. Just so you know, the promo that we're talking about, you can, you got to go into the description. So below the little scrolly thing, uh, there's a special link. You click on that link, you enter in the promo code and you get 50% off. It's normally $59 and it's only $29.50 for 53 inch by three inch vinyl stickers. Tell me about the process, Josh. What is it? How do you how do you put get those stickers? Uh how do you print print those stickers up? It's like a it comes in a roll and then you do a little printy print. What is it what goes on with that? Yeah, so basically, you know, it all starts with the artwork. If someone sends artwork that's not good, we'll fix it if we can. That's awesome. No, no extra charge. We'll fix it. Wow. If it's if it's something that's kind of not fixable, we'll be we'll we'll talk to you and be like, hey, let's try to figure out something else that would right. work. Right. Um, but yeah, then after that, basically we have like wide format printers that um, you know, depending on the size of the sticker, we'll be printing like, you know, 10, 15 of the stickers in a line kind of mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, the printers that we use. It, it uh, has like a custom die cut on it. Or if we're doing squares, we kind of do a little bit different of a process. But yeah, I mean, we, we print them out on on really super high quality, large format printers. And we get them out pretty quick. Like we'll have stickers to you in a week, pretty much 
maybe even faster. That's a really nice turnaround time. You know what you're demonstrating for me right now? It's the it's the human commerce. It's the human uh, sort of element that we are neglecting in this digital age with, you know, Amazon and all this and that. It's like, you know, you're talking about like caring about the client, you know, i.e. Yeah, and I mean, if you, go to, if you go to our website, the number on there is 919-645-7064. Like it rings this cell phone. There you go. And if I'm not like <laughs> in the middle of a loud printing environment, I will pick up this phone and you'll talk. You won't talk to anyone else but me because anyone else that works at Riot Stickers, they don't answer the phone because it's that phone number on the website is my personal cell phone number. That's great. And if, That's really and, great. and if I can't answer, leave a message or email me and you can even email me and be like, hey, I don't want to do email. Can we talk? And I'll call you back. That's great. I That's talk really to people great. every day that want to do stuff, and no one else in the no one else in the printing printing industry will talk to them on the phone. But I will. There you go. And I'll you know, you. can tell there, me about you have, your band too. You have leading competitors. You know, there are other 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 competitors. You know, you, you buy the stickers and the stickers don't stick. You hear these horror stories. I do. You buy a roll I've, of stickers and they just they don't stick. It's like, what's the point? You know, yeah. I, I purchased, listen, the way I met Josh, Josh and I met. So jo Josh and I met about 10, 11 years ago. I did put in, in an order for stickers and I was very happy with my stickers, man. They were great stickers. I think I did t-shirts too. And um, we, yeah, I still, I, man, I keep, that's another thing. Yeah. You order from me. And then two years later, you're like, uh, I don't have my artwork anymore, but I want that. Like I keep it all. Like I have yours, I'm sure. I'm trying to look actually. Yeah, there what, it is. In the, video, in the file. <laughs> video business. I have your artwork still from from twenty when you first ordered with me, twenty twelve. Twenty twelve is when I first ordered from and then we had met. We didn't discuss this at the beginning. So we had met. I'm supposed to play the video, but I'll do that in a second. We had met in um at at ghouls night out well maybe we had met before we we might have met in were you at the rock shop or yeah i booked there for years i was the booking agent for the rock shop for a good amount of years okay so maybe um, well we might have I did a lot of on, booking too no but on that tour is when i met you so i wasn't sure if i met you on at ghouls night out 10 which was in 2012 at Dingbats, or because you did that interview, we you 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 talked on camera for the thing, right? Um, or if if I had met you earlier on that tour, I don't remember. It's it's quite possible, but um, in any if, case, let me, sorry, go ahead. What were you gonna say? If you if you guys played there on that tour, I would I certainly at that point in time I would have been the booking person there. So then and it, it would have been there. In fact, I probably played. I would assume. Oh, you know what? You you were if you, Blitz Kid played, I played. You, I'm sure. you were with I put my band on the bill. Yeah, you sure. played with yeah. Liz in Misfits, right? Probably, yeah. Okay, so Man, that I'm probably like, yeah. I'm like the worst historian of my own stuff that ever is. That's the only <laughs> downside of it all. You know the the that's why you got to keep uh, diaries, journals. I know the thing, dude. Right? My. Mike Hideous is one of my heroes for that. Like you can tell him, so, like he's done way more than I've ever had. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh, this thing. And he'll be like, oh yeah, that was like August 9th. Oh, he remembers played. all the dates and stuff. He and was, had a sharp memory when he was on the show. Yeah. And Willie B from the independence is that way too. He'll be like, oh, yeah? he'll be like, yeah, we played that venue in, in 2001. 
And uh, before we played the show, we ate at, and he'll name some restaurant and he'll be like, and I, and I had this food and I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? That's crazy. But he remembers it all. That's crazy. But well, Hideous play, is that way too. I love him. I'm going to play your video real quick. Hold on, guys. It's so infectious and catchy. I love it. I love, you know, Josh was like, hey, I got this video. I was like, all right, let me, let me hear it. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. 60 seconds. Pop it right on. Pop it right off. You know, it's really good. Um, let me ask you this. So, okay. Um, I'm trying to think. We, we're sort of jumping all over the place here. So what, what did you tell me about the, the Villians and, and what that's like your, I mean, that seems to, that was your main band. Yeah, that, that was, was your main, main project. Yeah, right? so. Like from 1999 to 2002, I did this band called the Welfare Babies, and we were kind of like, I don't even know, like, like I'm like sloppy seconds, like just it was like fun punk rock type stuff, but a little bit maybe like vulgar-ish lyrically with some okay. stuff, but like kind of fun stuff, you know. And then, like I was telling you before, I'd, I I listened to Misfits, and I like I liked the old stuff a lot, um, right? Even at that point, but I. I started listening to the 95 misfits and something at that, like around, you know, a few years later kind of hit me. And I was like, man, maybe I, I, I like this. I want to like do something a little bit more like this. So I started a band, the villains and we were a horror punk band. And, um, but you know, a lot of that, like, I, I like the mighty, mighty Boston's a lot too. I like, I love the New York dolls. In fact, um, you love the New York Dolls, right? Love the New York Dolls, yeah. of course. And it, this is a band I wanted to ask about. Do you love uh, River City Rebels? Uh, I The name it sounds very familiar. I am not familiar with the music. You have to go listen to it, especially an <clears throat> album called Hate to Be Loved. Send it's it a, to me. Send me the title. A, I, it's like one of my top five, probably. Uh, wow. Yeah, oh, it's so hard to say, but off, off, off the cuff, it's one of my top five favorite albums. Ever. Send me that title. I'll check it out on Spotify for sure. Love it. Cool. Amazing songs. Um, but anyway, um, you know, a lot of those bands kind of came along with me too, but you know, the misfits were a focal point of what I kind of wanted to do next musically. I loved it. So I did, I, I did a band, the villains. We were active from 2002 to 2014 and then, and then, like, we stopped in 2014, kind of, and then in 2015, we kind of did, like, one last reunion show, you know. Um, I think we put out, like, three albums, 
and then recorded like half of another album that kind of never really got put out. I think I put it all on YouTube, like all the like studio versions, but kind of like demo mixed versions of it. I think I, all that's on YouTube now. Let's let's listen real quick. I've I've actually never listened to your band, so I'm going to listen to it for the first time right now. Let's listen. Let's just hear a, a song by the Villians. This is called "The Wicked." We're going to play this for you live. James loves this one. James Gruesome loves this song. So then let's dedicate. This is dedicated to James Gruesome. It is. Yep. Shout out to James Gruesome. This song is for you, buddy. Ready? We are playing it real quick. I think. Oh. <laughs> no, we're not. Hold on. That's the right picture. That but is the right picture. It's really no, funny because if you go listen to any Villian songs on YouTube, they all have just have this still picture. That that's how you know. There. That's yeah. how you know it's that's how you know it's throwing. Right, I'm gonna press play right now.
So you know what I hear in that song? I hear, I absolutely hear someone said, um, uh, 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 Jody Ramone said, oh no, the snooch said sounds a little bit like Blitzkid. I definitely hear a little Blitzkid in there. I absolutely hear um, some Misfits 95, a little bit of Misfits 95 for sure. And I also hear like a tinge of Mr. Monster, I think, just like a smidge. Love the um, Mr. Monster was another one that definitely, uh, you know, when I started the Villains, Mr. Monster was a pretty, they hadn't been playing very long. I don't know when they started. Um, they started in 98, but I really don't think they started like, I yeah. feel like the, their, their real active period just through osmosis and Probably knowing Joe. I was going to say 2000 to 2002, right? Something mm -hmm. like that. You yeah, know, that's when they put out I, over your dead body. I have an awesome uh, uh, Mr. Monster story. So I, I I don't know this, but my my assumption would be they were playing in New Jersey. And again, like the internet was there, but sucked really bad. And you could like download some songs from Napster. And there was a few sites that had, you know, bands that you could look at on there. And I found, I lived in North Carolina at the time. Yeah. And I found them and I was, and I had like one song of theirs. I don't even remember what it was, but I was like, this is amazing. MP3.com so, or something. Yeah, or Napster or whatever, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I reached out to them and I'm like, hey, like come to North Carolina and play. And it turned out that that first Ghoul's Night Out was in North Carolina. So they actually came to where I was living in Fayetteville and played what I think was their, probably their first show out of either New Jersey or North or New York. Wow. They, they came and played at this skate park with my band. And, and then the next night or two nights later or something, I played that first Ghoul's Night Out. Um, but anyway, the funny story about it was, it was amazing. But yeah, yeah. so so we get to the venue and there's kind of like, it's a skate park, right? Yeah. There's like a, there's like a area for the skateboarders. And then in front of it, there's kind of like a stage and a crowd area. And we get there and like, I lived right next to the venue, the skate park and, they get there and help them bring their stuff in and stuff. And then there was like a green room for bands and we went in there and here, like after the punk rock shows were over, they'd have like these like hip hop nights at the skate park too. And it, it was like some weird thing where it was like, you'd pay like 40 or $50 to come in, but then it was like drink all you want. And they just had like the alcohol there. So Carlos Loki was Loki. I don't think he was playing with Mr. Monster at the time, but he was with them. And so him and I went into this like band room that they gave us that they were like, you guys can hang out in here. And yeah. he's like looking around and he's like, Hey, there's like cases of out like liquor under these seats over here. And he's like, can we drink that? And I'm like, no, that's for like, they do this, like all you can drink alcohol, hip hop thing after the punk rock shows are over. Right. He's like, And he's like, well, Hey, there's no one here. And me and him just like cleared it out. Like, I don't, I'll never drink with him again. <laughs> and that was in, that was in 2001, I think. I'll never drink with him again. Cause we drank so much. Cause I was at least trying to stay with him and, right. and we plowed through so much of it. And then uh, like the next day, the, the guy is quite prolific from what I understand from the, the guy that heard. owned the skate park was like, what happened to all my alcohol? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, that's too like, funny, man. And it that's what I was talking man, about, but... by the way, for next uh, next Monday, tentatively, not not nothing set in stone that Loki is going to come on 
the show next Monday. We're going to try and do another round of Ask Dr. Loki. You should. Um, And I'm not saying, like, people certainly know who he is and know what he's done. Oh, yeah. And and they respect it, and it's amazing. But that dude does not get the credit for what he's done. Absolutely not. He, that guy, that guy makes a lot of wheels turn. He makes a lot of wheels turn. More than anyone knows. More than anyone knows. Man, me and him started, like, at that when I booked that show, him and I kind of started talking and stuff. And I remember, yeah. I wish I still had this shit, man. He would send me, you know, gr- the band Graves was on tour then. Right. Cause he toured, and, he, uh, and he, he was the tech or the, he was the guitar. Or something? He was, he, I think he did a lot of it, but yeah, yeah. he's like guitar tech, but he started writing these songs. Right. And, and, kind of giving them Michael and then they start and then right, he kind Gotham of started Road. saying and it turned into Gotham Road. But man, he would send me these like early demos of that shit and the the album stuff for that was really good, but those demos were like fucking amazing. Isn't that how it always is though with demos? Like for me, he, yeah. No, but sure. it goes back to what you're saying about like the first thing that you hear is the thing that like you always love. It's, I feel like it's the same way with demos. When I was when I was interviewing a lot of people and talking about Blitzkid, every all, all the all the Blitzkid fans at that point were always like, "Yeah, we like the early stuff." And I was like, "The early stuff's like it just sounds terrible." I you know it just doesn't sound. What is that? What does that say? Someone asked if I was wearing a Ween shirt. I assume oh, they're yeah. talking about me. Dagger Love. Yeah, Dagger so Love. So I want to let them know it's yeah. a Sunday morning Saints shirt, which was another punk rock band I did. <laughs> there you go. You printed yeah. that shirt? I did. There you go. Look and at it's it, pro- guys. It's probably about 10 years old, too, and I wear Look at that. Look at lot. the colors. They don't run. They stay bright <laughs> and red. No, yeah. the... um. I, you know, I listen to that early Blitz kit. I'm like, oh my God. And then, you know, I hear the later Blitz kit. I'm like, oh, this is, this is great. I love how, you know, they've really progressed in the studio. But the people are very attached to those early Blitz kid recordings. And it's just this, I feel like it's, that's just the way it is, man. You, you get attached to the thing that you first hear that makes you sort of like uh, fall in with the thing. And uh, by the way, Rue Morg up here, he says, I, I think he was referring to your band sounding like face to face, by the way, as well. So interesting got that I've heard got some that weird comparison. stuff for sure. And so. I, I was talking to someone earlier today, too, that was, you know, that's in a horror punk band. And, and they were kind of like, you know, I'm doing a horror punk band. Like, what can I do to, like, fit into that? And that was one thing. Like, I felt like the band I did never quite felt in because fit in because like one of my favorite vocalists, it's kind of weird, but you know, I love Danzig. I love a lot of these other guys, but I always liked Dickie Barrett from the Boston's. I thought he sounded awesome. He's and a, I, I like his, I like his voice. And I don't have that voice naturally, but I always liked the way he sounded. So there was always like a part of me that had that in there that I, that I wanted. But I remember like when we were doing a horror punk band, you know, I think that was one of the things we heard a lot. It was kind of like, well, you don't really fit that mold completely oh and and, interesting. and um so the person how did that, that make you feel i even back then i i kind of liked it i was like well i'm uh, like i'm happy that you don't think that you know because that's not like i like that band a lot and that's like sort of what i want to do but i don't want to i don't want someone to think like well you sound like that you know right and there's a lot of people out there I mean, there's a ton of them, but just I know someone that comes that listens and comes on here a lot like Robbie. He doesn't give a fuck. 
about trying to sound like no, Glenn or any of that shit. He's he he likes those bands, but then like he writes and sings his, his own music stuff. is not horror punk at all. He listen, he came up in that scene, but his music. Well, he loves it, punk. so it's there a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, well, he that that stuff that was his formative years were those bands and that stuff, and that's why I think I think he's got what he does now is way sort of beyond all that. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, He's just sort of, he's sort of, you know, outside, but he, he'll never get rid of that name, Robbie Bloodshed, for a million reasons, and it would be ridiculous for him he to shouldn't. do that. He shouldn't. Yeah, of course, but he's not. I mean, like, the that moniker is, it's a moniker. It's like not, you know, it's, it's, he's, I think if he, if he were, if he were, you know, striking out now with the music that he has now, he wouldn't be calling himself Robbie Bloodshed. He'd probably call himself something different, but everybody knows him as Robbie Bloodshed. Makes no sense. Yeah. To change, but I think what thing. I'm what I'm what I'm shooting at though is like, you know, a lot of times a band does like I, I felt that way. Then I was like, well, we don't fit with all these other bands that are saying they're our punk band. But even then, I was like, well, good. I don't I don't want to do that. You know, right? Um, but I think there's a lot of bands now that do strive for that. And and my message to them is don't like keep doing it keep doing yeah, be, it be don't thing, don't fit in know? don't fit in be be completely your own sort of animal you know and and that's that that's the most important element you know you, we were talking about horror punk and it's kind of interesting two things are interesting first of all you play with the independents and you started right i guess right when i met you right around the time i met you is when you kind of started playing for them right so did that hap did that formulate at that ghouls night out or was that because they were also there for ghouls night out as well no i knew i knew those guys for years because when i started the villains we were like i started that band in in like scranton wilkes-barre bloomsburg area pennsylvania and, okay and i ended up moving to north carolina which that's where i lived when i had been in the military and I went back down there and I kind of like reformed the band with new people. Okay. But so gotcha. once I, once I came there with the band, like we were playing like North and South Carolina a lot and the independents are from South Carolina. So we were doing a lot. I was, I was like putting them on a lot of the shows we were doing because I loved them. They were amazing. Oh, they're great. The you independents know, and the, are and, awesome, dude. And the first thing I ever heard of them was the mother cover on that. Yeah, they whatever do a ska mother. They yeah. do a ska cover of mother. It's so funny, yeah. man. And it's amazing. Whenever I first heard that, I was like, this band's amazing. And, that, you know, again, this was back like internet days where you could get a little bit of stuff, but not a lot. But I heard the CD with their, their mother cover on it. And I was like, that's amazing. And so I went and like seek them out more to hear their other stuff. And I was like, this is awesome. So anyway, a lot of the shows I was booking, I was like, Hey, can you guys, can you guys headline this show that I want to do, you know, in North Carolina or whatever. And right. so we ended up doing a lot of shows with them. And so, you know, I started to get to know those guys a little bit and eventually they ended up like needing someone to do some bass guitar for them. Right, because here's the thing: the, the 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 nucleus of the band, going all the way back to 1992 when they first started, has always been Evil Presley, the vocalist, and Willie B, the guitarist. And they've always mm -hmm. sort of, I, I you know, I think it was more stable in the 90s. But then there was a period of time where they just kind of, they had, you know, they'd have, a, they'd always recruit a drummer and a bass player to sort of come in. As a matter of fact, 
on that Ghoul's Night Out, they had some guys, and one of the guys, it was hilarious. They did rock and roll cooking with Sal B, and they were getting Sal B really, really drunk with Patron Silver. It was hilarious. Uh, Evil kept making Sal drink um, Patron, and he's just getting drunker and drunker as the show was going on. Um, th those guys are vegetarians, so we had Portobello burgers for them. But what was so funny was they the, the bass player that they had at that time, he kind of like... He had like uh, he kind of looked like uh, Billy Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. He had like the and he didn't like it. He didn't like that people were calling him Billy Joe. <laughs> it was really funny. I don't and even he had, like, know the who greens. that would have been. I don't I don't know who he was, man. He just was, but he had such a he had such a um, he had such a like a, a bitter face on his face because I guess like he was getting ragged on for looking like Billy Joe Armstrong or something with his green. Cause Billy Joe Armstrong had like a green. I know who it is there. now actually. It's this guy named Cody. Cody. Yeah. He was, he was not happy yeah. that people were calling him Billy Joe, but I thought it was kind of, it was kind of funny cause it kind of looked like Billy Joe, but um, he was kind of there. And then I guess, I guess over the, I mean, they kind of, you know, stabilized quite a bit by, by, by put it, you know, they put you in on base and you just been sort of there, you know, there for, for some years now it's pretty awesome yeah i did a lot i've done a lot um you know there's cody cody will still play with him sometimes too um oh he will oh he still he still uh slides in there as well yeah he still slides in there he's awesome he's nice uh, he's amazing he's does man, he doesn't he, have the green does he still have the green streak in his hair or has he got rid of that no i don't think he has that anymore <laughs> Uh, he's an James... awesome. He's a good guitar player, but he's an amazing bass player too. Oh, is he a good bass player? That's awesome. Oh, he's he's a dude, man. Like anyone, go if you're a bass player, go listen to Independence bass stuff. It's hard. It's hard. Not easy. Not easy to do. Uh, once no, again, I mean, a big I had, thank you. I had to, to go to work for sure. To, just to get just to get it down. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. Just a, another big shout out to James Gruesome. Uh, thank you for the support. And he says that the Villians played uh, his wedding. So he he is married to Liz Gruesome, a very talented artist who did the poster art for my first feature film. I hired her because I loved what she had done with Ghoul's Night Out. And I knew that when I needed a movie poster, I was going to uh, call her up. And she was like, I don't really do movie poster stuff. I was like look, I really want to hire you. I think you're really great. And she just, she, she crushed it. I'm so, I'm in love She's with that amazing. Art. Incredible artist. Incredible she artist. She is amazing. She James is. is amazing. They're both amazing people. Yes, like, they both are. They, they are. Very hospitable. Super very cool people. I wish they lived closer because I feel like we would hang out a lot more. It's a shame. Yeah. Um, okay, so I didn't, okay, I didn't know that. So, so uh, uh, Cody still plays with the independence. That's great. That's great. From time to time, we'll sl slide in yeah, there. Yeah, well. Um, so, but here's what's interesting about the independents is that they go, they go way back. They go back to 92. And so, you know, when you kind of think about the roots of this genre slash scene, because, you know, Joe Vasta, he's like, oh, well, or if I do the Joe voice, I always try to imitate Joe's voice when he's not around. Like, <laughs> do a really deep, deep, gravelly voice. Um, uh, Joe will say that horror punk is not a genre, it's a scene, meaning that it's like a collection of people. They all play various styles of music. There isn't a set. You, there is like that set cookie cutter trying to sound like Danzig wearing the, the, the grease paint going, whoa, 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 uh, template, but that it's a lot more sort of varied and eclectic. And it really begins even before the misfits, the 95 misfits 
which which came back. The 95 Misfits come back, and then all of those other bands kind of pop up in around 97, 98. You have every, you know, you have Blitz Kid comes out, you have the Crypt Keeper 5, you have Mr. Monster, Zombina and the Skeletons, that's when they start. All these bands pop up. I'm sure James can name about 100 more. Green Goblin Project, all these bands. But the Independents uh, started uh, a few years earlier. They 92, were, I believe. 92, 92. And yeah. they were managed by Joey Ramone, who loved the Independents and was a champion of the yes. Independents. Let me... Love- let- Sorry, go I, ahead. I can't. I can't share a lot of those stories. I do know them, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not the person that can put them out. Right. The person right, that course. can put them out can put them out if they want. <laughs> right. 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 But right. I've heard some awesome stories, and yeah, he he loved them. He loved that band. It was like you got to think of someone like Joey. The amount of stuff that he got from people. Right. That made music that were like, listen to my band, listen to my band, listen to my band. And they didn't even do that. He just heard them and he. Yeah. He, he, he loved that band, you know? And you know, what's interesting too, which says a lot. You'll, you'll always see this picture. People always circulate this picture. They claim that, Oh, this is Christ the conqueror. And you'll see Jerry yeah, yeah. And Doyle. And you see this guy in the middle. They go, "Oh, that guy uh-huh. must be the lead singer of Christ the Conqueror." It's like, no, that's evil, Wesley, yeah. in the yeah. late '80s, man. Like wearing the Sam Hain shirt, hanging out with Jerry and Doyle. Yep. And um, he was, um, he was, uh, somewhat like I don't know what I don't know the details. It as you said, only evil could fill us in on those details precisely. But he was. There was something about him possibly either trying out for the 95 Misfits or maybe even like maybe singing for them or something along the lines that just wasn't in the cards or didn't work out. There's something along, something yeah, with those guys. I mean, you know, people can ask evil about it. Right, right. He He's the only one who knows the, the story, but um, well, other something people along know the those. story, but it's not their story. Right, 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 yeah. right. So um, send them a message about it. Ask them. I, I I really should. I haven't I haven't spoken to Evil or Willie in in a while. Uh, it's it's been a while. Um, but but what's interesting about them is that they yeah they kind of predate all those other bands, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And then you have all those other bands. They pop up, right after the Misfits. Uh, you have the the new Misfits come out, and that just sort of like that sort of inspires all these bands and we've had, there've been several waves of this sort of horror punk, whatever you want to call it, you know, genre that have just sort of popped up in the United States. Uh, and it's, a, it's got, it's, it's its own little vibrant, like sort of community, you know, yeah, um, that comes and goes in, in various waves. But then there was, there was that ghouls night out festival. Can you explain a little bit? What exactly was the ghouls night out festival? Yeah, so I know the first one Matt Pathetic did, I didn't really know much about that, but it was the reason that brought Mr. Monster down to like the North Carolina area. And I think they actually did, James is saying they did it in South Carolina. Right, um, right. In 2001, which would have been, they played in Fayetteville and then they went and did that. Right. Um, so I wasn't part of that one, but then then years later, Matt Matt Pathetic wanted to come back with it. And, uh, yep. you know, I, I was certainly a part of that in, in the aspect of helping him, 
you know, get some bands on there, any connections that I might have had. Because again, I, I, I did a lot of booking too. I didn't just play in bands. I did a lot of booking. I, I booked the first ever Gotham Road show. Like I, again, I talked to Carlos Loki a lot over the years. Right. When, uh, especially at the time when Gotham Road was kind of like becoming a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So him and I booked mm-hmm. the first Gotham Road show in New York City, and we got the open form. It was awesome. That is awesome. But um, so anyway, I helped Matt get some of the bands on that were on. I mean, he certainly did a lot of it, but I helped do a lot of the promotion for it, all the printing and stuff like that. That was Ghoul's Night X. Uh, that I was a two, 2012 one. Man, I'm a horrible historian. I think that's what it was. <laughs> the one at Dingbat. The one at Dingbats. Yes. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that one I had a lot to do with, which was actually the one that had the whole like. People could buy the video and that never happened and all that kind of stuff. I didn't have a lot to do with that part of it. Neither but did I. Did, I. I, did, <laughs> I did play at it and I did help do a lot of planning for it. Right. And aside from that, I mean, an amazing night. Like, Oh, that was a wonder. That was a really, and I, I never went back. That was the only, only ghouls night out experience, but I thought it was the perfect one. You know, it was blitz kids final U S show which I shot the um, you had Mr. Monster play. You had yeah. uh Crypt keeper five were excellent. I mean, it was just, it was and Crypt keeper cool. five. I used to book them in North Carolina all the time. Phenomenal band. And no one, like no one down there had really heard. I mean, except for like, you know, the gruesomes and me and like these right. other, like, which is another band that like, what, like how, how did I mean? I understand if you look at their original stuff, like how did they get lumped into being a horror punk band? I can't tell you, um, but they are, and that's, that's the fi- that's the genre, that's the scene part of it. Like the, and the and, five is part of the scene, because- and it's fine with me that they're part of that group because right. when I used to bring them to North Carolina, I would yeah. promote them, and I didn't feel bad doing it. I promoted them as the greatest rock and roll band in the world. Wow. Because I believed that. And I didn't feel bad putting that out there. I'll tell you you that. And you know what? Mm. When you promote something. Yeah. As crazy as that statement, but you believe it as the promoter. Yeah. People care and they come and that like there were 10 of us there that knew who that band was. And we brought them down there and we would pack the house. And then when they came back, it packed the house because nothing to do with it. any of us. They they already sold it because they were the best. They were the one of the best bands that came in there. That's right. That That's band's right. amazing. They amazing. are. I can't I, even describe how good that that band is. When I was again to the the film that I was doing back in 2014, I wanted. I I asked them. I said, "I want you to cover. I put a spell on you by Screaming Jay Hawkins." And they demoed it for me and I put it into the movie and I put it in the trailer and then I couldn't get the rights that I wanted for it. So I ended up using a different song, but they eventually did record a proper version and released it uh, many, many years later. Uh, But hearing him sing, hearing Johnny sing that song, I mean, just unbelievable set of pipes. Just, you know, it's crazy. And the way they record their albums is so meticulous and so, I mean, just really puts so much effort, takes everything so seriously, as you should. But that Darker Days album, that's the album that I really connect with. I mean, every single song, I love that friggin' album. I mean, just top to friggin' bottom. 
you know, that that album is just darker days. You can't go wrong. Can't yeah. go wrong with any of those tracks. So good. Yeah, I mean, they're the the music is written so well. His voice is amazing. Oh and, yeah, and like you just said, the production that they put in in the studio and the creative production, yeah, and just going back to like Beatles stuff, where they like to think of those creative aspects to add to the production of a song that just mm -hmm. no one else would think about. They put in, you're like, this just makes the song. They do all that. They're masters of the studio. They've mastered the studio space, and you know what's funny too is that like. You know, they they are what I like to affect. I, I say this with affection. They're not. They obviously have a following. They have fans. But the CK5, Cryptkeeper 5, they are a band's band. What does that mean? It means that they are. And th you see bands like this all the time. You know, who's a great example of this? I don't know if you know who Fishbone is. Mm -hmm. Fishbone is a band's band where obviously they have their own following. They do their own thing. But they never broke it they never broke out and busted right, right. big like say the red hot chili peppers who were their contemporaries by the way mm -hmm. but everybody every band that knows who fishbone is they like respect and revere right fishbone and that's the way it is with the crypt keeper five it's like all the bands that are contemporary to crypt keeper five they all respect and revere the shit out of Crypt Keeper 5. So he's like, oh, this is my favorite band. They're into the Creep Keeper 5. I'm also into the Creep Keeper 5 because I love this band. I like what they're what they're all about. So kind of got that vibe going on as well, which is a yeah. cool vibe to have. It's like the it's like the this is our secret band kind of vibe, which is nice. It is. It'd be better for them though. <laughs> it's not it's not as good for them because yeah. you know it, you don't want to be if you're in a band, you don't want to be a secret. But if you're a fan then isn't that what it's all about? This but, is my secret favorite band, you know. But let's not let's not kid ourselves though. A lot of people love them, and they do have a good following. Oh, they have a but, but they, oh, they have but a they wonderful be, following. They, they should do. be they should be way more well known. Than they they should they should even be, though they're super well known. They should be they should just be out on the road. I mean, they can't, but they should be out on the road, just like going from town to town you know on a tour circuit a well a well-worn tour circuit and i believe that you know perhaps if like you know if their whatever their situations are were different that that's exactly what it would be and james gruesome he says it right here that cover of holiday road is really really great i know yeah and he also mentioned that one of their songs was in the movie i made Oh, you also include. You also had in in your uh, film. You also did uh, had a CK five song as well. I did. Well, which one? Desperate man in the dead. In the dead weight. Desperate man in the dead. Okay, deadweight. that's from Darker Days, and that's a yes. great fucking song. I have not watched your film yet, by the way. You could see Josh. Josh you has. Have to. A, I will. I definitely will. It's. I have it opened on two tabs. I have to part one and part two open. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and give it my full attention, but you did make a feature length film as well. And that's cool that you have the C the CK five in it. It's I did. Cool. And the guy that I made it with was on here earlier. I don't know if he's still here, but I know he tuned in, but yeah, like I was in, I was working, but I was, and I was doing my band and I was in college and um, I actually, this is a whole other thing that we could go into another time, but the, um, did you ever hear of it came from Trafalgar? Do you know what that is? Uh, no. Uh, Rob's still here. He's the guy that helped me that him and I made the movie together. What is um, it? It came from Trafalgar? Yeah. 
it's an awesome killer movie that isn't done yet, but hopefully it will be one day and it's going to be amazing. Oh, and so I'm you're gonna... a multiple. You're mo- well, you're no, 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 no. I did not make the movie. I'm in the movie for probably maybe two seconds or I might get cut out, but okay. I'm very good friends with the guy that's making the movie. Oh, Just nice. go look it up. I don't. Oh, okay. Look, I will. look it up. I don't know how to spell it, that. You're going to have to send me that title too. It came from <laughs> Trafalgar. Trafalgar. I don't know. And, and the movie maker is named yeah. Sol- Solomon Mortimer. Okay. Um, and if you ever watched horror movies, which I know you certainly have. Oh, I most certainly have. There will be a ton of people in there that you will be like, holy shit. Didn't know they were still had. There will be people that aren't even alive anymore that you'll be like, oh, they're still going to be in a movie that's going to come out. I think I know exactly who you're talking about. So go look it up. It's assume. awesome. But anyway, um, I, I uh, became friends with that guy because we put the villains. He wanted to put a villain song in the movie. And I kind of went out there and did like a little tiny role in it and saw him make a movie. And I was like, I want to make a movie. So uh, my, my friend Rob and I said, let's write a script for a movie. Never made a movie before. I love this. Didn't know anything about it. I love hearing stories like this. Yeah. And and we also were like, we're not even going to learn how to make a movie. But the thing we knew we could do was write a cool story. Yeah. And that that was all we cared about. We wanted to write a cool story. Give us a synopsis for Portfolio. Portfolio is about a boy that gets abandoned by his parents when he's very young. Yeah. And he lives out in the middle of nowhere. Uh And no one knows that they've left him. And then he becomes an adult. And he has trouble filling in with adult society. Okay. So he he maybe has like some some tics or whatever, but he, he tries to blend in with society and has problems doing that. So he takes care of it the way that he seems fit. Oh, okay. That's a good setup. That's a good setup. It's very much a horror comedy, which is one of my favorite genres. It's a hard genre to do. It's a hard genre to do. Not easy. And I think even when we started writing it, we probably were going to make a horror movie, but we realized with our limitations of doing things that we'd be better off making a horror comedy. Um, So we did shift gears a little bit, but on purpose, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, Another completely story, but The Room, you know, like how that- how that kind of ended up being a different thing that it was supposed to be. But we kind of realized that before that and changed it to the thing that we thought it should be. That's, you know, Um, we, we need more pragmatic thinking like that in the world. I think we would, it would, and I guess you had a a comedian playing the lead says Rob. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So, uh, but anyway, you know, it's like, we didn't know how to we didn't know how to make a movie, but we knew how to write a story. So we wrote a story and we filmed it ourselves with a hundred dollar camera. I think we probably spent five hundred dollars to make our movie. Would be wow. Um, and it's pretty much it's. I think it's ninety or eight, like seventy minutes, maybe. I don't know. But it's it's, uh, it's two thir- It's a thirty five minute chunk, and I think a thirty six minute chunk. So it's yeah, it's about. Which, you know, I mean, listen, good. I got to tell you, it, it's really nice. I, I like features that are not, you know, a feature that comes in at 70, 75, 80 minutes. That's nice. I'm not, I, I, I don't got, time is precious, man. 
So if you, you know, if you can tell a story in, in, in that kind of time frame, not to say that I don't mind kicking back and throwing on Lord of the Rings once in a while. You just want to sure. escape and do that too. There's, there's, there's a time and place for both those, those, those lengths. But anyway, it's really cool. Uh, even I, man, I guess we put that out in 2010 and it was kind of one of those things. Like I never was like, I want to make movies, but I think like the idea of making a movie, you wanted the it experience. Was, it was like a bucket list thing. And I was like, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a movie. So I did your Renaissance man. And, we, <laughs> and, and, and we didn't just like make like this little quick five minute video. We made like a full thing. As you, made a first, full fe- you made a feature length film as our first thing ever. And we put it out and I, I've watched it somewhat recently and you know, is there things I'd change about it? Yes. Is there things that would automatically change about if we did it now? Yes. But when you go back 10 years and look at something you did 10 years ago, it's like a time machine. It's wonderful. A lot of times you're very not proud of it. And I, I watch what we did and I'm very proud of it. That's and cool, I, man. And I love it. And I feel like it, that if people watch it, they'd be like, that's pretty cool. That's so, awesome. I'm that not sure really how awesome. to find it on the internet, but I know no, you, you sent it to me. No, I have it. I have it. But I have I'm it saying my... for if other people want to check it out, like, I oh, think oh, maybe, oh. maybe if you like, go I'll put it in the description. I'll put, we'll yeah. link it at the bottom. I'll, if you go I'll to YouTube it. and put portfolio and maybe like Joshua Grove or Josh Grove, maybe you can portfolio find it, part but... one and portfolio part two, I think. Yeah. I know yeah. it's hard to find, but, um, but it is on there and it's really cool. So that is really cool, man. Watch it. I like it. I still like it now. You gotta, you gotta stitch happy. them. You gotta stitch them together and then put it on. Um, put it, put it as one long thing. Well, it is weird though. So I figure if someone watches part one, then they can at least abandon part two if they don't like it. Right. So it, give it a trial. Uh, yeah. A trial period. Yeah. yeah. A half hour is a lot easier to give up than an hour. This is true. We just we just talked about time I, being a premium. I think anyone that makes it through thirty minutes will want to see the other half because that's yeah. the thing. It's not bad. It's just for a certain person. If you're going to spend sure. thirty minutes watching something, you're probably going to yeah, like see how it how it ends. I'm I don't know. I'm weird like that, man. I used to sit through every single thing and like i don't know in the last two or three years you know what it really started really started when streaming became like the main thing it's just like it's just so much easier to like back in the video rental days it's like you know i paid you know whatever two 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 three four five dollars (laughs) i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna watch this because i spent good money on this i don't you know but now but now it's like you know, you, you, you start a movie and then the phone rings and you, it's, you're only 20 minutes in and then you, you don't even bother going back and picking it up. You're just like, eh, I don't care. Life's too short. You know, there's <laughs> so much to stream, you know, which is good in some ways, but in some, like, I mean, there, there's, there's definitely stuff that I used to check out that even on the first watch, you didn't like it. Right. And it, like, well, you know what? The 95 Misfits album is a great example. I bought that CD right when it first came out. Like the day it came out, I went and bought it because I'd heard the old Misfits and I liked it. Right, right. And I went and bought that and I put it on. And like, I don't I don't even think I listened to it like for real, for real. I kind of put it on and I was like, this sounds like metal. And I shut it off and I put it in my it CD It does rack. sound like metal, dude. It does. And it's different. It's a different band. Look, I like I like. It sounds American like metal Psycho. compared to the other stuff. For yeah. Sure. 
if you're coming, if you're used to Glenn Danzig misfits, you know, and then you listen to this metal sounding with a different singer, yeah, uh, it's not going to be palatable or you might go, what? And that's the problem. It's brand confusion. It's like, right. I'm expecting misfits. I don't get misfits. You know, right. it's like you, you you expect a certain you expect a certain quality of something like, you know, riotstickers.com. You expect a certain quality when you're going to print a sticker and get it put on the thing. You know, it's yeah. you come to expect it. So it's like it's the same thing with, you know, music when two bands share the name, you know, or one band kind of like continues with a new lineup and uses the same name. I That's why, you know, in general, I think there are very few examples that actually pull it off. I think Black Sabbath with with Dio pulls it off. I think that really feels like a continuation of Black Sabbath to me. I yeah. think the Ramones pulled it off, but they had Dee Dee who was still writing songs for them even though he was out of the band. Um, there are some bands that, and there are other bands that just have a lot of integrity like Joy Division who friggin' their lead singer, you know, um, ends himself and then they they go okay well we can't be joy division anymore we got to call ourselves new order you know and continue on making music but just not using the name that was the di the different entity so i like you know i get that i i really really sort of uh get that and then you look at like i i think that you need to have like an element that's uh that brings continuity a great example you know if if a band if a band retains its lead singer frontman, who also happens to be a songwriter or a founding member, then that band is probably going to continue on without anybody blinking an eye. Right. If you replace the the singer songwriter frontman like the Misfits did, people are going to be like, "What? What the f is this? Like, this doesn't make any sense." Same thing happened right. with TSOL. Mm -hmm. People were like, "Whoa! Like, where's Jack Grisham? They got this other guy now." It was just a confusion so it's subjective um yeah. some bands pull it off of the red hot chili peppers they they nobody blank blinks an eye because anthony kiedis is still there if anthony kiedis wasn't there yeah. so it's the second red hot chili peppers reference we've made in this episode i don't know why <laughs> but um you know and then you have a band like the grateful dead jerry garcia dies They're like we can't be the grateful dead anymore the grateful dead don't exist it's like wait a minute there's seven members of the grateful dead Telling me one guy, the guy, the lead guitar player, he's not even the, you know, it's funny. Jerry Garcia didn't even sing half the time. He's not even the singer of the fucking band. They still retired the band because of how integral he was as the band leader, you know, of the band. So do you think that's the right thing to do? Um, I think, I think the Grateful Dead could have limped on as the Grateful Dead without Jerry Garcia. Although, and that's just goes to show you how, how untrue of a fan I am because any real fan would be like, what are you freaking crazy? But like, look at, you know, neon knees also from New Zealand. Uh, he says, no, Lemmy equals no motorhead. Of course you could never, there's an example of a band can't do motorhead without Lemmy. The doors, the doors, Jim Morrison dies. You can't do the doors. They tried. They did two Jim Morrison lists doors albums after he died they try to get iggy pop as a matter of fact to replace jim morrison which actually would have been kind of cool to see i've decided i've changed my mind um 
James. Thank you, James. James says Tri- Trifulgar, Christ the Conqueror. Trafalgar. Trafalgar, Christ the Conqueror on the barn. That's the that's that weird name that I can't pronounce. Yeah, that's the that's the uh, James and the, I the went movie. out to do some stuff with the movie. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So that's how you spell it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the support, James. But yeah, I'm like, if there are, I think that all things considered, I think that the Grateful Dead, if they if they want really wanted to continue on without Jerry Garcia, they could have done it. They didn't even like I said, he didn't he wasn't the main lead singer, but. Could the Beatles have continued to be the would the Beatles have continued on without any of the Beatles? Like if Ringo Starr had died and not John Lennon, I think the Beatles still might have reunited and played shows for sure. Even though they say, no, it's one for all, all for one. And I think that's true to an extent, but they were the Beatles before they had Ringo. And therefore, with Ringo dead and gone, they might try and still become the Beatles after you know afterwards you can't be the beatles without john lennon you can't be the beatles without paul mccartney or frankly i think even george harrison so it's like it's just this real interesting sort of um you have to have the right concoction in order to continue on as the same band if you don't people are going to give you shit for it Mm. that's the ultimate truth i think yeah so but going back to the misfits one though yeah like I'm saying, I got that 95 one. I put it on, turn it off right away. Didn't like it. Put it on the shelf. And I don't know. Like, How long did it take before you put it back on? So that came out in 95. Yeah. At least two years. That sat collecting wow. dust on my shelf. And I did, I never even put it on. That's amazing. And, and, and the weird thing about it is, like, I, I did listen to it a little bit. And I didn't really like it. But it was one of those weird things. I didn't even hear it anywhere else. I kind of like remembered what I heard and two years later I was like, you know, that actually was, I liked that. Like now, like right. I, I remembered what I heard then and I was like, I'm going to, I want to re-listen to that because I think now I will like it. Right. So I don't know what the thing was with it, but I will say, um, you know, I put it in and that was good. And everything you just said where it's like, you can replace it. It's a lot easier to replace drummers and musician players because a voice is the most unique thing, right? Guitar players can be unique, but at least if you're at least if you're looking at like stuff that's already written. Well, Van Halen, you could never replace Eddie Van Halen. Like that would be sacrosanct. Even if you had Sammy Hagar or David well, Lee I'm Roth, not, be I'm not saying that anyone would want to see you do it. But, right, right. But someone can play those things that he recorded there's someone out there that can play that is true but they're not but they're not going to write things like that that's the thing and that's where that that's why you can replace instrument players because they can go back and listen to what's been recorded and copy it but then if you want to make new shit then you're screwed because that guy can't do what that other guy did right right singer is different so the fact that the misfits did with that 95 stuff that they did get people to catch on and like it that's a tall order to fill you know that's it is hard. it is i will i will concur with that and again i you know i've had i've said my my all sorts of things about those guys and whatnot but you want to know what at the end of the day i am still a big fan of american cycle and i like most of the songs on famous monsters i never stopped and it's true you have to admire what jerry and doyle and the rest of the guys did and the fact that 
they very much were they very much uh rode a wave of popularity look it's not like they were starting from zero okay they had the name the misfits but they absolutely sustained that popularity like there was never a time where like nobody was showing up to see the 95 miss like they they were they were doing very well on the road they were doing very well so it's like you, you, it is a testament to what they were doing. It just sucks that they use the name. I think people would have came out on that original tour no matter what, even if the songs were bad. But the fact that right. people kept that the fact that people kept going after Ex- that exactly, shows dude. That those, that those were good songs and they were recorded well and every right. other aspect of it, you know. And I mean, all the, like what what Michael wrote, You're right. What, and even what Chud wrote, like Chud wrote some cool stuff for that stuff. And the, those are good songs. I let, like, listen, the no songs are anything you want. Those are good songs. I listen. I agree. I like speak of the devil. I like hate the living, love the dead. I like, um, whatchamacallit, uh, um, what else did Chud write that I really liked? I mean, I liked all those. I really did. I liked, I liked all those songs. I still do. And I still, I've listened to them in the last two ish years. I've absolutely when those songs have come on, I have just fully enjoyed them, but I've compartmentalized what they are. Right. You well, know. it's harder. It's harder to like someone when you don't like aspects of who made it or whatever the case may be. Well, so I don't that even mean that. I don't even mean that. I'm just talking about like, like recently I've sort of like have come to a new understanding of like what the 95 misfits are because I've been doing like a lot of like reading and stuff and like, sort of like deep dives. And I've kind of come to this realization that the 95 misfits are almost secretly Christ, the conqueror using the misfits name. Like that's what that band and the, that music, a lot of that music was cannibalized. Some of it was cannibalized from that Christ, the conqueror music. And that's why it sounds more metal. And then Chud becomes the drummer of Christ, the conqueror, and then they get Michael's the singer. And then they call, start calling themselves the misfits. So if you think about them as a metal, it's kind of interesting. If you think about it, it's, it's so funny that you use the word metal, like right off the bat. Cause that's kind of what well, it they are doing sound. in the nineties, but, it, but if there's you, a punk attitude. There's well, a punk right, attitude. But, but if you compare anything, that's like punk now, like punk rock genre music now compared to stuff back then. I mean, it does have a met, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's heavier, it's louder. It's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so it makes sense that that's what they did with it to, to kind of like try to update it and make it current. Yeah, for sure. And, so. you know, I would love, I wish I would, I would be more than happy to see, you know, if I was, if I was, uh, if I was old enough at the time, you know, capable, whatever you want to call it, to see the, the new misfits when they were, you know, kicking around back then, I definitely would have done it. You know, would have I would have sure it would have been a really really great um, time. Would have been a great show. It was amazing. I um, you know off to send it to you, but I saw them play like in the late nineties, and that's awesome. I remember I I I came home from that show, and you know I was I was I was still doing like my first band, and I wrote I wrote a song that night. Yeah, and I'll send it to you, and you'll be like, yeah, I mean that makes complete sense that you were at that show, and then you wrote yeah, that. like it's you know. It's funny how that stuff bleeds into your subconscious and then creatively sort of um, sort of, you know, it does its little thing. Uh, it inspires, it inspires to um, sort of create. But it's, you know, I, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. 
uh, we we have to give we do have to give and we you know we we break a lot of balls on this channel about those some of those guys but like we I do have to give uh, credit where credit is due in terms of sustaining a fan base over a period of five years and you know again if you talk to anybody in the Danza camp they'll just straight up say oh well you know because they had the name the Misfits but like I mean come on that o that only gets you so far you do have to have music that is enjoyable to keep the engine going it's not like they were playing only danzig songs they were they were mixing sure. it up they were doing all sorts of stuff so you know there, there's that yeah there, there is that yeah see james says it right here james gruesome um says dr fives was oh, straight up sure. price the conqueror reuse so you know i mean there you go and those guys too when they're writing their songs, they're not like Glenn, who's like writing this, these like really interesting, like introspective, you know, beat poetry, you know, commentaries about the underbelly of Americana. They're like, OK, Martian attacks. We've got to write a song about Martians attacking or like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Right. oh, OK, we, let's do let's do Lost in Space about the, the, the movie Lost in Space. You know, what I mean? it's like that. Like, yeah. they're, they're just it's what you see is what you get. Like the. um uh, the, the song title is what the song, the movie is about. And the Misfits have done the original, you know, we have Return of the Fly and Horror Hotel and stuff, but not to the extent that the new Misfits were kind of copping to that, you know. For sure. So. For sure. And if they would have started <laughs> out that way, yeah, it would have been much, much more of a problem. But once they did that, everything that they had built up, it was like at least sort of okay to just do that. Yeah. Joe says, look at the top five Misfits song on Spotify, and it's probably going to have like dig up her bones or something. But you know what my counter to that is? That's the that is the fault of brand confusion, man. It's just friggin brand confusion. You have people are are listening to or coming there for the Misfits and they're they're getting a mixed bag. I don't think it's fair to to use spotify as an example and yes as jerry only says for the kids well and I, I this isn't this isn't any news and i might not even be right but i think at this point jerry's been the lead singer longer than anyone right if you can sit if you if yes on a technical level if you consider it an unbroken chain then i'm going to spotify right now to see what the top five but then who so then who's the lead singer that's been in the band where the most songs are written i'm uh, glenn Glenn, I would say Glenn, course. there are 55, 54 original Misfit songs all written by Glenn. So, you know, there's what? There's like uh, maybe there's so, 30. With so the, what's with more important to you, songs or time? You know what I mean? Like, time means time means nothing. Exactly. So that's so, what I'm saying. Like, that's the big, you know. All right. Hold on. Let me see if I can share. I don't think this is going to work. Let me see if I can share my Spotify player. That would be really cool. Hold on. We're, we're going to we're going to land the airplane. We I it's funny. I, I told I, I told Josh, I was like, yeah, Josh will probably do, you know, 90 minutes. And of course, we blink our eyes and it's two hours because that's just how it's just how we roll. That's just how it works here. Let's see if this will share. Nope. Not going to let me stupid, uh, stupid melon. Stupid melon. Uh, whatchamacallit. All right. Hold on. I'm going to the misfits right now. Um, let's play a little game. Um Josh, what do you think the top five Misfits songs are on Spotify? Let's do this. Yeah, I mean, I guess Dig Up Our Bones has to be one. Okay, you're saying Dig Up Our Bones. I haven't even looked yet. I'm just looking through these yeah. comments. I see J Joe says it's very fair, actually. It's what? 
Joe says it's very fair. He's talking about what's on Spotify, I guess. I don't know. Oh. Um, so you're saying dig up her bones. So I'm looking up now. Halloween. Okay. I would think Halloween's probably one of the most high rated ones on Spotify for old ones. All right, let's do top 10 because I see 10 songs here and I'm actually kind of surprised. Yeah, I don't even want to guess then. Let's no, just... no, no. Do it. Do it. Come on. Come on. This is fun. Guess. 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 Dig up, dig up Her Bones is on there, right? Um, Yes, Dig Up Her Bones is number six. Crying on Saturday Night's on there. Um, Saturday Night is number two. Okay. Halloween. It is. Uh, No, Halloween is not there. What do you think the number one song is? This is kind of actually, whoa, these are not. It says number one, but it shows they're they're actually out of order. There's more plays for different ones. OK, but I yeah. Wow. Uh, Dig Up Her Bones is, is up there, though. Dig Up Her Bones has twenty nine million plays. Twenty nine. So is that the most? No, really? Nope. Sat- does Saturday Night have more? Saturday night is at 27. So it has about 5 million less. Less. Yep. Hybrid Moments. Uh, Hybrid Moments is on there with and beats out both of them with 33 million. It's one of my favorites of theirs. So I love love me some Hybrid Moments, of course. Man, I'm trying <laughs> to think of what would be higher than the, the, like I thought those would be the top three though. You want me to just go through them for you? Yeah, let's do. All it. right. I love how everybody calls everybody calls David Lee Raff. Skulls. Relative, they call him. Die, da, oh, die 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 will be on there because of the because of the Metallica thing. Nope, die die is not on there. All right, really? ready? I'm just gonna go through. I'm gonna go through it. I'm gonna go through it. The, I'm gonna go through. This is by ranking, but I'm going to go through the, the number one song. All right, let's just try and do this in order. Number one song Monkey with the Paw. most plays. Yeah, mo- of course, Monkey's Paw. No, it's uh, Last Caress. Last Caress has oh, 53 yeah. okay. million. Okay, yeah, that's, that's number one. That's, that's at number one. Number two, it seems, is Hybrid Moments at 33 million, right? right. Yep. Number three, at 31 million plays, is Where Eagles Dare. Okay. Really? Yep. I love that song, but I'm sure. I shocked. love it too. Number four, uh, I know number four is Dig Up Her Bones with 29 million. But again, this is what annoys me. These are two separate bands. Like this, that kind of sucks to me. Like you can't, how can you mi- mingle these songs in the top 10? It doesn't work that way for me. That's where, that's where I get off the train and go, no, that's, that's ridiculous. Like th- it needs to be in its own separate thing. You can't, it's comparing two different things. You know, it's weird because I feel that way with other bands that made like as big of a switch as that. But for some weird reason with that band, I don't. It doesn't bother me. That's interesting. Do you, off the top of your head, what are those other bands that don't where that doesn't bother you? I'm just curious to know. That it does bother me. No. Oh yeah, where it does bother you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can't even think of anything off the top of top of my head. But I think almost anything else though. Gotcha. I can't think of another band where where I where I don't care as much as that band. Like, it's weird. I I'm just kind of I I am able to like group it together somehow and make it okay. So so next after that we have Saturday Night at 27 million. So we went from 29 million to 27 million. <laughs> vivid Red. <laughs> yeah, Vivid Red. Right. 
Um, and then after that, we have tied for 19 million. We have Scream and Helena. Jesus. I know. This is so bizarre. And then after <laughs> that, you have... I, I, I'm trying to go in order here, but it's not easy. After that, you have both tied for 11 million. You have, well, Skulls closer to 12 million. You have Skulls and you have London Dungeon. And then the song in with the least amount in the top 10 is Astro Zombies at 5 million. And that's just kind of crazy to me, I guess. I, don't I mean, know. it's like... Uh... But it's actually not bad, I think. It's not so bad. I mean, look, that's one, two, three, four. That's just four, but and three four of what? them, three of them are famous monsters. So t in the top ten, uh, three song, uh, three three of them are famous monsters, and each one on famous monsters um, has just uh, if you round it up a little bit, they're all at twenty above twenty million. So 67 million-ish, 68 million-ish plays just from Famous Monsters alone. Yeah. And then you have one from Dig Up Her Bones at 29 million, which is about half of, of those three songs. Yeah, I mean, Dig Up Her Bones and Saturday Night should be on there maybe, but then after that, it should be. But you know what's funny? Last Caress alone, without any of the other songs, if, if we just said something like 68 million, Last Caress is 53 million by itself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So, I don't know. I I don't know. I agree, Neon Knees. I don't know how it beats Astro Zombies. Astro Zombies, when I when people, when you know, if I'm going to show someone a, a Misfits, Misfits for the first time, like, who are the Misfits? I'm going to play the Astro Zombies. That's what I'm going to introduce you, or Last Caress, or Night of Living Dead. That's how I'm going to introduce you to the band. You know, you know, that's an interesting thing, too, because I agree with you. That would be a great song. Because those, those, it, those it encompasses things, it encompasses everything, right? Those two things aren't the same. Like, if I, you're right. If I had to sh give someone a song to show them the Misfits, it wouldn't be the same song that's necessarily my favorite Misfits song. It'd be a different right. song. And when I had you play the Villains earlier, yeah. It's kind of the same way. I, I don't think that was our best song, but I think that that's like a good one to let someone hear. Right. That represents your sound. That represents your so sound. Those are different answers for sure. Yeah. Your best song isn't necessarily the one that you'd want someone to hear first. Right. Especially because if you develop a relationship with the band and you listen to them and you have certain quirks and tastes about the band, I like this guy's name. He calls himself Shaky Balls with a Z. <laughs> Shaky Balls says Astro Zombies and Night of Living Dead. I mean, yeah, just, yeah. Oh, yeah, Rob makes a good point. He says that's Metallica fans wanting to compare Last Caress to the original, which you're probably sure. right. And then hold on a second. Let's see. Hold on. We got to check one last thing. Where do where do Metallica songs rank on Spotify? I feel like Joe, Joe Vasta loves just looking at stuff on Spotify, like ranking all the different stuff. I suppose I would, too, if I was a musician. That's what I would be looking at. Um, let's see where Metallica, let's see where Metallica compares in the rankings. And then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap this up because it just, it, we'll never stop. We've gotten into misfits territory. It's just, it's never going to stop now. <laughs> um, okay. So here we are at Metallica. Wow. 
Okay, that's fucking bananas. <laughs> Holy shit. All right, so let me ask you a question. We just talked about, like, where the misfits stand. This just gives you an example. Like, we think the misfits are so mainstream. Like, you think they're pretty mainstream at this point, right? Like, I mean, they're big. Like, people know who the misfits are. People know the skull and everything. But then you look at Metallica's plays. So and... when you said Last Caress had how the, the Misfits Last Caress had how many view listens? Fifty three million, and that's the most, right? Right. Now, so Last Caress by Metallica. Well, I didn't check that. Hold on, I'm curious to see. I don't know if it only shows you the plays for the top ten, or if it'll show you. Oh no, it'll show you for every single song. I mean, that's I think crazy. if the Misfits had fifty million on it, they must have like two hundred and fifty million. Or... So and I might be way off, but I think at least that amount. All right. So just in general, for Misfits in, I mean, for for Metallica in general, right? You're absolutely right. They have billions of listens for sure. When you add them all up, their most listened to song is "Enter Sandman," and that's almost at a billion plays. It's seven hundred and seventy-two and a half million plays. How, how many? 772 So I think Last Crest is going to have million. around 250 million. Okay, that's what you're predicting. Let's go check that out. I'm going to Which would be 5 times more than the Misfits. Oh yeah. All right, you're saying 250. I'm going to I'm going to you know what? I'm going to give them a little more credit than that. I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to say no, it would be up there. We would have seen it. I was gonna say four hundred. It has to be it has to be somewhere. I'm going to I'm going to just just to be different from you, I'm going to say 275. Okay. Just just for the sake of it, uh, doing something different. Uh, Metallica. This is a fun game. I know. Yeah, it is. Uh, Metallica Last Caress. Let's see what we have. So it will be Last Caress slash Green Hell, because that's what they, when they did their cover, it combines right. those two. Yeah. And wow. Okay. What what did you say? What did you say? 250 million, which okay. would be five times the amount of the Misfits. And question, everybody. There is... Last Caress is only on Garage Inc. Or was it? It was also on the 598 EP, right? Something like that. Where? When did? When did Last Caress first appear? I'm not the person to ask. Damn. Okay, this might be a problem here because. Okay, let's see what this one. This is inter Okay, this is very interesting because. First, we need to go to Metallica 598 EP, I think, because the Garage Inc. version. All right, so you know what the Garage Inc. version is? I'll just tell you right off the bat. Garage Inc. is... Oh, shit, I lost it. Hold on. Someone said it's on 598 EP. Right, thank you. Thank you. That's what we want to look at as well, because that's how people first really heard it. Metallica, Last Caress. Here we go on Garage Inc., is only nine million five hundred and forty-two, oh, which wow. which absolutely uh, debunks what who said. Um, oh, Rob, Rob, Rob yeah. said they wanted to compare. It's that's mm -hmm. not the case at all. Yeah. But it's interesting. Here's what's interesting: Metallica has hundreds of millions of listens more than any of the Misfits songs, and yet the Misfits version is listened to almost five times more. Yeah, even crazy. though Metallica is the is the band that people sort of 
first you know discover the mystery credit them with putting it out there yeah right so that's really interesting and then one last thing we have to take a look at because that's what we do here we just fucking nerd out about this shit does not matter at all let's go to the 590 ADP and see how much now mind you remember this too okay this is interesting okay it's also here it's the same track it's nine nine and a half million uh-huh. That is really fa- that is fascinating. That is fascinating. Um, so that just goes to show that even though the misfits are, even though the misfits are um, not as well known, their version of Last Crest is way more listened to on Spotify than it's the most listened to misfit song on Spotify. Period. So wow. There you go, guys. That's that's our show for this evening. I, I really want to thank Josh so much for coming on. L- love talking to you, Josh. You definitely yeah, have to come awesome. back sometime. Next time we're judging a Devil Lock contest or something, we'll we'll have you on to rate Devil Locks. Yeah. <laughs> we I've been talking about doing a Devil Lock two contest in the back of my mind, the little committee in the back of my mind. So we're gonna definitely we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll have to get that get that fired up i'm glad the snooch liked the stream guys once again just because riot stickers is the sponsor and, and josh is our guest we just want to remind you that for all your sticker needs if you do need stickers definitely check out just test it out 50 percent off from us is the promo code link is down down there in the uh description um freaking we we are all about championing independent artists here, and this is a, a great deal for independent artists who don't want to deal with, you know, the nonsense of everybody else. David DLW, as everybody calls him on the in the chat, Glenn said Cliff Burton drunkenly phoned him for the lyrics to Last Caress. Hatfield said Glenn probably gave it to him, gave him the wrong lyrics to Green Hell. Glenn is un undecipherable even for metal gods like them true true that um we already played that video so what we're gonna do is and uh hang out for one second josh hey man yeah Um, can i say something real quick oh please please go ahead yeah i just wanted to um thank you for everything you do like what you do is awesome man and um you know all these bands out here that put out awesome music in in the world that we live in like you're you're doing the same thing in your own way and you're an artist and you're awesome. Thank you. So, Thank you. And smegma. Awesome. Rob says smegma. So I, I don't know why he's saying smegma. Joe is saying that we're leaving out a few hundred published live versions. Metallica's put out last caress has been a staple in their set since 87, but it still pales in listening numbers compared to um, whatchamacallit. I, Javis Bickle loved the stream as well. Sharpie says, I'm sure I'll be in touch with you in the near future. Can't pass up that sticker deal. Uh, that's great news. Uh, Droid has a band, so we'll, we'll hope you guys get in con- contact. James says, I'm a cave dweller. Um, that's a villain song. That's yeah. a villain song right there. So I think what we're going to do then is for James, this is dedicated to James. We're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna play the show out with that with that song. I think that's what we're gonna have to do. I have to find it first. Now it's now, here. Whenever we play that, um, it, you know, had an awesome chorus for it, and we would 
especially when we did hometown shows, we'd get everyone that we knew, all of our friends and stuff to come up and sing it with me. And I'd, I'd pull James on stage and throw him a microphone and get him to sing with us. It was awesome. That's great. I've got, I'm going to see if I could find it here. It's got to be here somewhere. By the way, guys, if you want to check out any more of the villains, I'm going to put this in the in the in the chat real quick. This is the the this is the YouTube page. You can go and listen to all all the music. It's all up for your listening pleasure. Um, if we could just find Cave Dweller, hold on, let me see if I can pull it up with this find real quick. Cave, yep. Here it be. Here it lie. Somewhere. Why is it giving me such a such a problem? I don't know. Um, it's being a little difficult. Here we go. All right, we're gonna sync this up for you real quick, guys. Thank you so much. Just so such a great. This was a great a great great stream. Um, and you, like I said, you'll be hearing a lot more about riot stickers. Just over, you know, we we we. Uh, we, we're having a we have this uh, trial sponsorship going on, so it'll be be out there for some time. And uh, now you know the the face behind the the um, the operation that I'm speaking of. Hold on, real quick, we're gonna play the, we're gonna play it out with this right now. This is dedicated to James Gruesome. Thank you so much for all your support. Here we go. Press and play. There it is. Uh, whoops. Now I'll press and play. Cave dweller, take one, rolling. <laughs> That's it. I like this one.
No, yeah. you're not going to get that. <laughs> no, that was, uh, I like that one a lot. That's awesome. great. That was great. All right. We have a wonderful way of saying goodbye on the show. We say peace and hair grease, and we will see you tomorrow night with a, another episode of the Fremis channel, whatever you want to call it. We're going to do be doing misfits tomorrow night. I got a special surprise or two up the sleeve. And so we're going to say peace and hair grease. Hang on one second, Josh, as we say goodbye to everybody. 